All right. Thank you so much. Our commissioners are here. Yes, everybody is present, but Commissioner Ryan, he's on his way. Well, good morning. There we go. I like that. Everybody kind of calms down. <laughs> We're now going to call the order of the Broward County Board of County Commissioners meeting this Tuesday, June 13th at 2023, close to about 10, 10 a.m. We ask that you stand for the Pledge of Allegiance, followed by a moment of silence, which we'll talk about. And I would like to have Dr. Hanbury, would you come forward and lead us in the Pledge of Allegiance, sir? Pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Mr. General, please remain standing. It's customary for us to observe a moment of silence in honor of notable persons from our community who have recently passed. I'll begin with our commissioners. Commissioner McKenzie, anybody? Yeah, none, sir. Mr. Bogan? No. Mr. Dean? Vice Mayor? Okay, very good. Obviously, want to also remember and honor our brave men and women who have served and continue to serve in our armed forces, both here and abroad. We want to thank them for their service. So a moment of silence, please. Thank you. You may be seated. <clears throat> Well, today's music was brought to you by no other than Commissioner Michael Udine, as we talk about Let's Stay Together by the late Tina Turner, and obviously Going Up the Country by Canned Heat. Thank you, Commissioner, for your selection of your music here today. I want to thank you for that. Today we have um, a special presentation, a very special one, along by three proclamations. So it's my pleasure today to recognize uh, Leah Bolden, for her outstanding community service. And I'm gonna ask Lee and her family if they would long, I think Claudia's not here, right? Is Claudia not here yet? But she'll be here. Join me at the podium for the special presentation. and to the audience, this is really special for us to be able to honor Leah, who has been honored with the Gold President's Volunteer Service Award for performing 320 hours of community service, which were all performed at our own Brower Center of the Performing Arts. And the award includes a letter from the President, Joe Biden, which I will read momentarily right now. And it reads as follows. The American story depends not on any one of us, not on some of us, but on all of us. I congratulate you on taking it upon yourself to contribute to the public good. I am proud to present you with the President's Gold Volunteer Service Award in recognition of your 320 hours of public service to this great nation. Throughout our country's history, the American story has been strengthened by those who combine an optimism about what can be with the resilience to turn the vision into reality. I know I'm not alone in recognizing that those who are willing to step up and volunteer in service of community and country are essential to the ongoing work of forming our more perfect union. 
By sharing your time and passion, you are helping discover and, and deliver solutions to challenges we face, solutions that we need to know more than ever, and you are living in a moment that calls for hope, light, and love. Hope for our futures, light to see our way forward, and love for one another. Well, we need that more than ever, don't we? Through your service, you are providing all three of those, the President says. On behalf of the American people, I extend my heartfelt appreciation to you for your volunteer leadership, and I encourage you to continue to answer the call to serve. The country is counting on you. Signed by President Joe Biden. So obviously we want to thank you for your dedication, Leah. You have incredible parents, obviously, that's great role models to, to serve in this capacity. It's presented, of course, to Leah Lucille Bolton by the American Corps in recognition and appreciation of their commitment to strengthen our nation communities through volunteer service. So on behalf of the Broward County Commission, on behalf of Broward County, on behalf of the President, on behalf of everybody, we sincerely thank you for your service and we look for continuing for your service and community and maybe one day you might be staying here as a mayor, or maybe the President of the United States, we don't know, right? <laughs> but continue your service and what we can do at Broward County to help you. We are honored to represent and give you this award to you today. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> We're gonna ask you to have a couple of words. What do you think? Can you say a couple of words to us? Um, thank you for this award. Um, I, Thank you very much. Um, I enjoy community service a lot. I hope to perform many hours over the time of my high school career. Um, and it truly has been an honor serving the community. <laughs> so we're going to get a picture. We're going to get a picture of all the commissioners, okay? Take a picture. Right here. Thank you. Okay, since I'm already down here, I'm going to start with my presentation as far as my proclamation, and I'm going to ask the Americans with Disability Act. I think uh, Toby Gordon, our chair, is here. And anyone else who obviously from the organization, please come forward and join us. And our proclamation reads as follows. On July the 26th, 1990, President George H.W. Bush signed into law the Americans with Disabilities Act, known of course as ADA, that established a comprehensive national mandate for the elimination of discrimination against individuals with disabilities. 
whereas the civil rights legislation recognized that all Americans deserve every chance to achieve their full potential. Whereas the ADA is built upon four pillars, full participation, equality of opportunity, independent living, and economic self-sufficiency. Whereas Broward County Board of County Commissioners commit to promoting individual rights and human dignity and work to assure the full integration and participation of those who disabilities with disabilities live and work in the community. Whereas ADA celebrates its 33rd anniversary on July the 26th, 2023, the pillars of the ADA can only stand tall and strong with everyone with and without disabilities, continues working together to shape communities to become fully inclusive and welcoming to all. Now, therefore, be it proclaimed by the Board of County Commissioners of Broward County, Florida, that the board hereby observes June 2023 as Americans with Disabilities Act Month in Broward County, and we encourage all Broward communities to demonstrate an ongoing commitment to promote, protect, and ensure the full enjoyment of all the rights and freedoms by people with disabilities. Thank you so much for coming today, being part of this. Toby, would you like to say a few words, please? Sure, thank you. On behalf of the Advisory Board for Individuals with Disabilities, we want to give a thank you to the Broward County Commissioners for recognizing the work that we do and the support that we give to them. We hope to continue to serve you. And again, thank you very much. All righty. We're going to take a picture with everybody, if you would. How about a clap, huh? Over here, please. Thank you. Okay, our next proclamation, I'm going to call Commissioner Bean Fur down for the obviously Sterling Library's 25th anniversary. Mr. Fur, would you please come down? Good morning, Mayor. I'd like to call uh, Fern Canner, Rebecca Lemelin, Susan Mesh and Kay Silver up with me. Hey guys. Hey, y'all doing? Good. Um, this is a, a proclamation for the Sterling Road Friends of the Library. Um, and as you, as you all know, libraries have been in the news a lot lately and on the front line. We've been very lucky to have an incredible library. Uh, I think Allison Grubbs even recently was on NPR as somewhat of a constitutional warrior and did a fantastic job. We've got Kimberly White, uh, who is working with me in, on the curriculum collaborative, reading all the books for that are being challenged in the school board. But there's another ally that sometimes gets overlooked, and those are the friends of the library. When we are looking to 
protect, defend, and support our libraries. The friends of the libraries are the people are those groups that you want to have in, have in, have your back. Um, the Sterling Road Library um, friends is the best example that I know of a friends of the library group in terms of how uh, active they are, how much they bring their their own community to uh, to the library. What the during like during COVID, they would have numerous um, Zoom calls for everybody. They had they would have uh, speaker series. You still have that. You have all those things happening. You've brought you. I think you probably had the largest membership of any. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. over 450 in this one group, and it is for any library in this. And we have we have a lot of libraries, but for every for any library that is thinking about putting together a friends group, and you, and you want it now because of the challenges that we're facing. I think, I think it goes without saying, you don't have a, a strong democracy without a strong literacy component. And so you want friends of libraries in every library that we've got. My suggestion is to take a good look at their model and how they, how they, what they've done, how they've managed to pull people together. So with that, um, let me read the proclamation. Whereas libraries strive to meet the changing needs of their communities, including providing resources for all ages and backgrounds and bringing services outside the library walls. And whereas the Sterling Road Branch Library plays a vital role in offering programming to all ages, including book reviews, book fairs, cultural and musical programs, college admission programs, fitness and mindfulness programs, lectures, movies and community outreach programs at no cost, both virtually and in person. And whereas the Sterling Road Branch Library brings together community members to enrich and shape the community, having developed a friends roster that has more than 400 members. And whereas the Sterling Road Branch Library is part of the Broward County Library system, continues to grow and evolve by offering access to materials that may no longer be available in traditional locations in order to provide for the needs of every member of its community. And whereas the friends of the Sterling Road Branch Library, library staff and its supporters are celebrating 20 years of its existence. Now, therefore, be it proclaimed by the Broward County Board of County Commissioners that the board hereby designates the month of July 2023 as the 20th anniversary of the Sterling Road Branch Library in Hollywood, Florida, and encourages all residents of Hollywood and Broward County to visit their local libraries and take advantage of their resources and services and recognize all that they accomplish for our communities. Signed by our mayor, Lamar Fisher. And Fern, would you like to speak? Mayor, Vice Mayor, Commissioners, friends of the libraries, all of you. Uh, libraries are like the staples. They're like the fire station, the police station, we, the, local, the local grocery store. We all grew up with these in our homes, in, in our communities. The friends of the Sterling Rope Library are honored to be recognized today Libraries must remain a staple in our community, just like that loaf of bread or that quart of milk in your refrigerator. They are here for you, here for our children, and hopefully our grandchildren and their children in years to come. Thank you for this honor. Continue to recognize and go to your libraries. Take your kids and your grandkids. And remember, libraries must remain as part of our democracy. We are honored to be here today. Thank you so much on behalf of all of us. Thank you.
Okay, right here. Thank you. Here. Thank you so much, ladies, for being here today on behalf of the library. We thank you so much for your service. And our final proclamation, uh, proclamation today will be proclamation. I can't even speak today. It's been a long week. And, you know, the Miami Heat game, you know, whatever. Still, still in mourning from that. Uh, still in mourning. The next proclamation will be Human Rights Day uh, provided by our own Commissioner Tim Ryan. To Mr. Michael Rayner from our Human Rights Advisory Board. Mr. Rayner, would you come and join at the podium along with Monica? It would be great. So I have the good fortune of, of being asked by Michael Rayner, uh, who is chair of our uh, Human Rights Council, to offer a proclamation. And um, Michael will speak for a few minutes. I hope you'll speak a little bit too. Okay, excellent. All right, so um, whereas the Board of Broward County Commissioners designated June 21st as Human Rights Day at Broward County uh, to coincide with the enactment of the Human Rights Act of June 21, 1978. And whereas the Human Rights Act established the Human Rights Board to serve as an advisory board in uh, advisory capacity to the County Commission in recognition of human rights as universal, inalienable, and individuals from the foundation of freedom and justice, regardless of race, color, religion, sex, national origin, age, marital status, political affiliation, familial status, disability, pregnancy, sexual orientation, gender identity, uh, veteran or service member status, or being the victim of dating violence, violence uh, domestic violence, human trafficking, or stalking. Now that's a pretty encompassed definition. And whereas the 75th anniversary of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights uh, will be celebrated on December 10th, 2023. And whereas uh, Article 1 of the Universal Declarations of Human Rights declares all human beings are born free and equal in dignity and rights. And whereas Ensuring the full and equal participation and protection of all individuals uh, and communities is critical to the realization of human rights. The Broward County Human Rights Board advocates for the enactment of laws to ensure all communities and <clears throat> all communities of individuals, especially all minorities and vulnerable communities have full civil rights and protect against 
other discrimination based upon any form of identity or status. And whereas, as we observe the 44th anniversary of the Human Rights Act, let us redirect ourselves to upholding and advancing the uh, inherent dignity and equality of all individuals as human rights. And whereas, in the words of the distinguished poet and renowned uh, civil rights activist, uh, Dr. Maeve uh, Angula, May Angela, um, no one can use, um, can, can really be free until everybody is free. Now, therefore, it is proclaimed by the Board of County Commissioners of Broward County that this board designates June 21st, 2023 as Human Rights Day in Broward County, Florida, and encourage all residents to celebrate the day by demonstrating their commitment to promoting the value of human dignity and respect for the diversity of all human beings. So with that, I think our chair of the Human Rights Board is going to have a few words to say. Mr. Rayner. Thank you, Commissioner. Good morning, Mayor and Commissioners. Michael Rayner, uh, Chair of the Human Rights Board. Um, this is rather a, a poignant time today, um, especially given the legislative session that uh, your intergovernmental affairs has emerged from and uh, endured. Um, it's been a blistering year of, of human rights violations by the state legislature. And um, a lot of communities are struggling. You know, normally a day like this is supposed to be joyous, um, but it feels like a celebration of life when somebody's passed as we see certain things be eroded in some of the protections. Um, and there are communities suffering. We're at the, you have an item today on your agenda where some of these protections that we've worked so hard, um, we may be having to start to claw back on and that's still going through. And I just wanna, you know, encourage people. We need to continue to value the amazing rich diversity of individuals we have here in Broward County, the multicultural communities, um, the multiple identities that individuals have. And there are certainly things that have tested people in trying to figure out as the legislation, legislative session went on um, that will impact the, the rights and the protections that we provide and we consider human rights and provide those in civil rights protections. And I encourage you that if an issue comes up and you don't understand the issue and how it affects a particular population, namely the transgender community when we're talking about bathrooms and other things, please reach out to me. Uh, I'm happy to connect you or any community group um, to have some safe space where people can learn and engage more. Um, and I think that's something we need to have is more dialogue and understanding, especially as we have lawsuits coming through and, um, and elections. And I encourage everybody, register and vote. Uh, Monica Ribeiro is also a fellow member on the board recently uh, by Mayor Mar Fisher. I am honored to represent the Brazilian and the Latino community of Broward County. So, muito obrigada, muchas gracias, and thank you very much. Thank you, Ms. Ribeiro. And just quickly, um, <clears throat> with the quote that was picked, the county attorney's office did an amazing job drafting this. I think I only added one whereas, and it was actually a small one, believe it or not. Um, but the quote from Maya Angela that the county attorney's office picked, I thought was so fitting. And 
at first, I actually even was a little hesitant with it, and I had to research it. And I encourage you to Google um, the quote by Maya Angelou, no one of us can be free until everybody is free, and look for the CNN Anderson Cooper interview, and it really is amazing to listen to her speak about the quote on the 50th anniversary of the Martin Luther King speech. It really is amazing. Thank you. Now, that's a particularly appropriate quote, but I have to say, we did go through a few edits to get to the final version. Oh. All right, so with that, if you guys will all Yeah, take a uh, picture. It was Miss Kimberly, by the way, over, uh, who had that quote right there. It wasn't actually our we, attorney. It was actually Miss Kimberly we're not, Moreau. We're not that shrewd, <laughs> Mr. Rainer, but thank you. It was Miss Moreau. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Ryan, for that. That's right. We're definitely, we are, uh, we're honored to recognize our newest uh, reading clerk who has been working with uh, Calvin Galski and that's our own Stacy Leasing with us today. So we welcome you to the, to the commission meeting and look forward to seeing you in the near future as well. So, Ms. Leasing, if you would read our Tuesday morning memo. Tuesday agenda memorandum. The following are substitutes. Just hold on one second. We need to get that microphone closer to you and turned on. Okay. Better? Per. A little bit closer if we can. Better? There we go. Thank you. Okay. Tuesday agenda memorandum. The following are submitted for your consideration. <clears throat> Consent items are 1 through 42. Public hearing items are 43 through 49. Regular items are 50 through 67. I request the following withdrawals and Scribner errors, corrections, and inclusions of additional information. Withdrawals, deferrals, substitutions, none. Scribner errors, none. Additional information, item number four. The board's consideration of this item is based on the summary explanation memo and the substitute exhibit one purchase and sale agreement distributed as additional material. Items 26 and 26.2. The board's consideration of this item is based on the amendments distributed as additional material. All signature pages have been received. Item 29, the board's consideration of this item is based on the item as amended by the additional material, including the amended summary explanation background and modifications to exhibit one. Item 48, the board's consideration of this item is based on the substitute ordinance distributed as additional material. The substitute ordinance makes the ordinance effective only if HB 1417 becomes law with an effective date of July 1, 2023, or the date HB uh, 1417 becomes law, whichever is later. Item 49. The board's consideration of this item is based on the resolution as amended by the additional material. Item 57. The board's consideration of this item is based on the amended motion statement 
which adds motion B distributed as additional material. Mayor requests without objection items 52, 55, 56, 58, 59, 60, 64, and 66 be moved to consent. Please note items 57 and 61 will be heard concurrently. Additional material regular meeting. Items 1A through F board appointments. Item 4 memo to the board and substitute exhibit submitted by county attorney office and public works department item 17 memo to the board submitted by county administration item 26 memo to the board submitted by finance and administrative services department item 26 2 executed second amendment agreement submitted by finance and administrative services department Item 29, memo to the board and updated exhibit one submitted by finance and administrative services department. Item 29-2, memo to the board submitted by finance and administrative services department. Item 57, amended motion statement submitted by county attorney office. Item 65, memo to the board and updated exhibit one submitted by finance and administrative services department. Additional material public hearing. Item 48, substitute ordinance submitted by county attorney office. Item 49, proposed amendments submitted by county attorney office. Thank you, Ms. Leasing. Well done. Okay, we are now in our consent agenda. I'm going to call for any polls. Begin with Vice Mayor Rich. 48. Item 48? 48, yes. Commissioner Bogan. No polls. Commissioner Dean. Item 17, please. 17. Myself, no. Senator Geller? I was also going to post 17. Okay. Commissioner Furr? Likewise, 17 and 18. 17 and 18. Very good. Commissioner Ryan? None. Good. Commissioner McKenzie? No, sir. Commissioner Rogers? 48. 48. Very well. Ms. Sapiro? None, sir. Very good. City County Attorney? Uh, none, Mayor, but I believe, Senator Rich, are you planning to uh, abstain on number 12? Oh, yes, I am. Sorry. Number, right. number, yeah. 12. number 12. Yeah, number 12. Okay, very good. Thank you. Thank you. Mr. Melton, any polls? No, sir. Very good. From our public, Ms. Campbell. Numbers 17 and 59. 17 and 59. Very good. Mr. Myers, would you read our consent agenda for consideration of approval? Thank you, Mayor. The consent agenda for today uh, is items uh, 1 through 42, less the following items. Uh, item 12, which was pulled for an abstention. Uh, item 17 was pulled, and item 18 was pulled. And then added to the consent agenda are items 52, 55, 56, 58, 60, 64, and 66. Very good. Is there a motion to approve agenda consent? Senator makes the, makes the motion, seconded by Commissioner Rogers. Any further discussion? All in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries 9-0. Thank you so much. Item number 12. Thank you. Ms. Ms. Hold on, Ms. Leasing will read it. Item 12 has two motions. Motion A is a motion to approve funding increases for agreements between Broward County and the <clears throat> service providers identified in Exhibit 1, effective 
May 1, 2023 through September 30th, 2023 to be executed in accordance with the terms of the agreements, authorize the Human Services Department Director to execute the contract adjustments and authorize the County Administrator to take all necessary administrative and budgetary actions to implement the agreements as amended. Motion B is a motion to approve waivers of conflict under Section 112.3137A, Florida Statutes, for the following <coughs> Broward County Advisory Board members holding an employment or contractual relationship with an entity receiving funds for the performance of services under this agenda item. Howard Bacarla, Patrice Walker. Thank you very much. Vice Mayor, do you have an abstention on this? Uh, yes, I do. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Mm -hmm. um, I serve on the Board of Kids in Distress, which will be impacted financially if item 12 passes. I do not receive any compensation for serving on this board, and I therefore have no actual statutory voting conflict. However, to avoid the appearance of a conflict, I am abstaining on item 12 and ask that that be reflected in the minutes. Mr. Mayor, I move approval of item 12. Senator Gelder makes the motion, second, second. by Commissioner Dean. All in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries eight with one abstention. Thank you very much. Item number 17, Ms. Leasing. Item number 17 is a motion to approve Broward County Transit Premium Mobility Plan. Three members of the public have signed up to speak from this item. The first member is Maximiliano Goldstein, right. followed by Michael. Thank you, Ms. Leasing. We're going to actually, I'm going to turn over to Ms. Sapiro just because I want her to uh, tee up the item and then we'll have public and we'll come back for commission discussion. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Um, so uh, as you all um, have been uh, very well um, in the loop on, on our, our Primo plan, this is um, Broward County's transit premium uh, mobility plan. Um, we're very excited to bring this forward today. Um, this is a culmination of, of many years of work. Um, a long time coming, and, and it represents uh, the future um, network, transportation network of, of this county, um, and it sets the framework, um, and, and I, as I refer to it as, as kind of an outline of, of the um, initiatives for all the corridors that are um, the most traveled and where the growth is projected and currently is, and, and the demand. Um, as you will see, I, I wanted to make sure you all got a chance to see the additional material that I submitted um, late last week um, after a meeting I had um, with uh, University uh, NSU President um, Dr. Hanbury, who I believe is signed up to speak today. Um, so, and, and I just want to make sure um, everyone understands that, um, you know, this is the kickoff um, point and this is the, um, the ability for us to put the notice to proceeds on all of these um, significant projects and, and efforts to connect our community. Um, and, and each component of this plan will be very thoroughly vetted and analyzed and evaluated as um, they um, kick off. So um, with that, I just wanted to set the tone for this. Um, we've had a series of um, uh, workshops um, over a very long time with um, all the commission public um, workshops and um, outreach efforts um, throughout the community. Um, but, you know, as it relates to the regional activity centers and the South Florida Education Center, um, you know, there is a commitment that we have made to make sure that they are at the table and that, um, and that those are taken into consideration um, for this plan. 
Thank Appreciate you. you. And uh, Ms. Lisa, I'm just going to go out of order a little bit, if I can. I'm going to have Dr. George Hanbury, president of Nova Southeast University, to take off our public speaking. Doctor, welcome. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for your partnership, by the way, to Broward County and always, always being there for us. And I hope we are there for you as well. Thank you, Doc. Well, thank you. And uh, also because of the county commission, this one and prior, Nova Southeastern University is the only university or college in the state where the library is open to the general public, free and unencumbered with all of its, and it's a great generator for traffic uh, because thousands of citizens come. But to get to my point, Mr. Mayor and members of the commission, I, <laughs> that didn't go toward my three minutes. Definitely Mr. not, Mayor, members of, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> Mr. Mayor, members, before I get interrupted anymore, Mr. Mayor and the county commission members, I really appreciate the county administrator for including the South Florida Education Center in the PRIMO plan. Uh, but I'd like to go a little step further uh, to re really emphasize that the South Florida Education Center is probably one of the oldest regional activity centers in Broward County, and it truly is an activity center and should be a major part of the PRIMO plan since the purpose of the PRIMO plan is to connect the activity centers that generate huge traffic and economic development through a dedicated light rail source. And my only reason for contacting the mayor and bothered several of you here is that we're not mentioned in this Primo plan. So I hope that today's vote would recognize that these five educational centers, which are nationally and internationally known, uh, made up of the Broward County School System, of the Nova Magnet Schools, as well as the Vocational uh, Technical Center and College, as well as University of Florida Agricultural System, Broward College, Broward <laughs> College's first college, right there in the South Florida Education Center, Florida Atlantic University's satellite, Nova Southeastern University, and now the SFEC is the only regional activity center that has a hospital that likewise generates more, and it's not just a not-for-profit hospital, it's a for-profit hospital, and HCA pays taxes and employs people over a half a billion, and their expansion plans are another half a billion with thousands of employees, and then NOVA's plan to create a comprehensive cancer destination center, not just for South Florida, but for Central and South America and Latin America and the Caribbean, it needs to come to the airport and directly to that comprehensive cancer through light rail system and a brand new hotel conference center to be located on that. I think the county administrator recognized that there were some things that weren't included in this study that this late minute justifies the SFEC to be considered not just as an educational destination, which it is, 
uh, origin and destination that today generates 75,000 trips per day, greater than downtown Fort Lauderdale. And with the expansion that I just mentioned, we will, by the traffic engineer's report that I gave to the county administrator, we will be generating 85,000 trips a day, which equals sawgrass mills. We are an economic development engine. Nova Southeastern University alone is a $5 billion economic impact. We have over 23,000 students and 5,500 employees. We're the largest private employer in Broward. And when you combine all of the employees in South Florida Education Center, you got a destination of over 15,000 employees and close to 50,000 students that could be coming to that area. So Thank you, my recommendation to you is that I'd like to go one step further and have the county commission to go on record for two points. The first point, that SFEC as a regional activity center and an economic development engine should be included in future iterations of this plan and identified as a connector to the other regional activity center connectors. And the second point is that routes for this regional activity center should be considered on roads and highways where rail, light rail, would not impact a traveled lane. Griffin Road, because 595 is a reliever to Griffin. Griffin Road is designated by the traffic engineer who does traffic engineer studies for the county to be, to be under capacity, as well as the perimeter road of 595. Mayor, can I help you out? Thank you, doctor. Can I just ask him a question so we can give him more time? <laughs> it's very difficult for me to cut off Dr. Right. George Hanbury. So I would, so I've been, slowly, so I would I've just been like, very, Mayor, I just wanted to ask him if he can explain his position a little more. <laughs> no, I think we heard it. Dr. Hanbury, thank you so much again. Yes, sir. Uh, I, I your, would like to, for, to go on record for the county. They, Commission to do so. Th thank you, sir. Okay. Thank you so Mr. much. Mr. Mayor, question. Yes. Will we be able to ask him questions Yes, you later? will. Uh -huh. Just yes. please hang tight, Ms. Dr. Hanbury, if you would. Okay. Our next public speaker is Maximiliano Goldstein, followed by Michael. Mr. Myers, the mayor does have rights, right? <laughs> okay. Thank you. Good, good morning, sir. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing well. I'm Max Goldstein. I'm a member of Plantations Planning and Zoning Board and of the county's BPAC, but I'm not here to represent either. This is my personal opinion. So I want to say that I fully support the PRIMO plan, and I think it's the most important and transformational action that you guys as the commission can take for the next 15, 20 years at least. Um, but I think that if you do pass it, you need to do some follow-up to really support the plan. So there's three requests that I really have for you. The first is that I'm actually going to be a little different from the previous speaker where I think that you should take travel lanes for Primo. The whole point is that public transit can move more people than any car lane will. And specifically, you've got to make sure that the transit lanes are physically separated from cars. That way the transit can be reliable for people and it can go faster than traffic can. 
And I'll give you one example of a place where we have a transit lane and it's in conflict with cars. I used to live in Atlanta. Atlanta has a streetcar in downtown that connects all the major tourist destinations with a lot of residential areas. The problem is it's all in mixed traffic. So it's constantly blocked by cars and it takes 10 minutes to go two blocks. So no one uses it, even though it's a great piece of infrastructure. And I don't want Broward County to fall into the same trap where we spend billions and billions of dollars on trains and on buses and they just get stuck in traffic all day and no one uses them. If you're going to spend this money, use it appropriately. The second is that we should fight for real transit-oriented development along these transit lines. The Geller Amendment was a fantastic uh, ordinance, but we need to go a little step further because along transit lines, for transit-oriented development to work, you need to really reduce or eliminate uh, private vehicle parking. So you need to work with the municipalities to either eliminate minimum parking requirements or place parking maximums along these transit lines. Because again, why are we going to spend these billions of dollars and then we tell people to drive to the destinations anyways instead of taking the transit? There's any traffic study, any traffic engineer worth their salt will tell you that when you put a lot of free <coughs> vehicle parking along transit lines, people would rather drive than take the transit. So it makes no sense to force minimum parking requirements along these lines. Finally, the transit's going to induce a lot of development. That's the whole point of this. So if we can get that real TOD ordinance that, that I just stated, then we're going to have a massive increase in property tax revenue along these lines. Now, that property tax revenue is created by Primo. That's the economic driver of this property, of this property value increase. So my hope is that you guys can pass a TIF, tax increment financing, sim similar to a CRA, where within a quarter mile or a half mile of these transit lines, you allow Broward County Transit to collect a portion of the increase in property tax revenue along these lines, specifically for capital expenditures. So that number one, they can maintain their infrastructure, and number two, they can expand the system in the future without needing to rely on the county commission. They can rely on the property tax that they themselves have generated. Thank you. Thank you so much, Mr. Mr. Goldstein. Mayor. Yes, sir. I just wanted to point out Max is a constituent in my appointment to the Bicycle and Pedestrian Advisory Board. Well, thank you for that information. Uh, last, uh, last, uh, <laughs> last public speaker. Last Lisa? public speaker is Michael. Michael, we don't have a last name. We don't have a last name. I don't see Michael. Are you here from? That's it. Okay. So public portion now is going to be closed. We're going to open up for commission discussion. I'm going to go in order as the item was pulled. I'm going to commissioner Dean. <clears throat> Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Um, the reason that I wanted to pull this, and I wasn't sure if anybody else was going to pull it, but now I see that it was, there was a lot of interest, obviously, is I wanted to make sure that this just didn't get passed on consent without us having the ability to say a few words about it. And I think that, quite similar to what the second speaker, the very well-spoken young gentleman from Plantation said, this is one of the most transformational things that we will do in Broward County. It is that we're so far behind the eight ball on this kind of stuff that it's about time that we get something passed with a plan. I think that it says to our to the public that are watching that voted to tax themselves the extra penny and have been paying that we're serious about making this happen and we're going to make a commitment with a roadmap and an outline. And when I when I say that I've I've seen this plan many times and it was brought up at the at the MPO and we talked about it and there was related follow-up questions. This is just a basic framework where things will change and this is like a living document as they go in 
and, and, and look at this. So I, I will state right on the record, I happen to agree with Dr. Hanbury 100% that there should be some element of that South Florida Educational Center included in a future iteration of this, and I think there will be, but like we said when we had our meeting, if we don't get something started where we get this north-south connector and where we get some kind of stuff in the ground so that people can start to use this mass transit and we can move this forward, A, we're gonna miss the boat, we're already way behind other metropolitan areas on this, and B, we are gonna totally, completely cause a turnoff by the consumers and by the residents who agreed to tax themselves that penny a few years ago, which is a tremendous amount of dollars. So I'm hopeful that we can get this passed today. I'm hopeful that we can keep doing more tweaks on this as we move forward and more studies as we move forward, because this coordinates with other documents. But I think if we don't pass this today, I think that we're gonna have a problem maintaining our credibility with the public. Those are my comments. Thank you, Commissioner Dean. Senator Geller. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Uh, I have been vocal in some of my concerns about this, which I still have. Um, and I'm anticipating supporting this today, but I have a couple of questions first. Um, first, uh, let's discuss the South Florida Educational Complex. Um, you know, I had sent the primo plan to Dr. Hanbury, uh, which is, I think, the first time that he actually had reviewed the Primo plan um, and was very surprised when Nova wasn't in it. Uh, I do believe that, that that is an essential element of the Primo plan or should be an essential element of the Primo plan. So my first question and, uh, is, I guess, to the county administrator or it could be to Ms. Uh, Corey Cuff-Lonergan which is I just want assurances that it is being considered as part of the Primo plan. Ms. Sapiro? It is being considered. And um, I did want to point out that um, in my memo that I sent to the board, I did, um, in fact, um, identify that there was um, um, consideration um, in the plan that you have before you, but it does have, um, I believe, a BRT route there as opposed to what um, my conversations with Dr. Hanbury have been where his expressed support would be for light rail. So um, I didn't, I, I, wanted, I wanted to make sure everyone heard that it was not left out, but um, the additional um, evaluation, if you will, and, and expressed mention of the SFEC, um, as well as all regional activity centers is something that we are committed to review. And we are reviewing, I'm not asking for any commitment, because that's finally gonna be, which I, I don't like the, the roots I've seen yet, but um, you know that it is under consideration, which is all I'm asking for light rail, as so, opposed to just BRT. So we will look at it. Uh, again, you know, if we don't get this moving, I, I, I don't like to commit um, to anything without the evaluations, and, and this is going to be data-driven. I have committed to the board and to the public, and we've gone, um, we have gone on record many times that it will be data-driven and, and it will be supported by growth. So um, that will be reviewed. Thank you. Uh, my next uh, comment is I have raised before the concern and I have asked and I have asked and I have been, as of today, 
unable to get the data on the hourly capacity on Broward Boulevard per lane and whether we expect that there will be more or less butts in seats capacity, uh, whether we, if we close a lane of traffic in each direction, uh, will we have more people riding the train or will are we just increasing the congestion? I have heard from some people a suggestion that if we make traffic bad enough that people will have no option other than to take the train. And I push back against that. I don't think we should be trying to make traffic worse so that to force people onto a train. I think we should be doing what is best for the constituents. I have a great deal of faith in our county administrator. I found uh, Miss, um, I'm sorry, Corey, is it? Cuff-Lonergan Cuff or Lonergan? Cuff-Lonergan? Okay, I found Ms. Cuff-Lonergan delightful to work with, very uh, uh, friendly and, and responsive. So I'm inclined to trust both of them when they say that these are not the final plans yet. However, I do want to verify one thing, because again, I at some point in time, I, I want to vote no on this if I get data, or unless I get data that shows that more people, particularly on Broward Boulevard, will be, if we are decreasing our butt travel capacity, which I think the butt travel ratio or something like that, uh, if we are decreasing that capacity on Broward instead of increasing it by closing a lane of traffic, I'm not going to support it. But I do, I just want to verify that by approving the PRIMO plan today to conduct the preliminary studies and engineering that this is not actually approving all of the projects, I would want this board to take another vote before we finally determine if it's going to be east-west on a light rail. Anything that will close traffic lanes before we decide whether that's going to be Broward or Oakland Park or Griffin Road, if that's coming back to that board, to this board for a final vote. Is that correct? Ms. Shapiro, go ahead. That is correct. And I want to um, okay. clarify a couple of things. So the people in seats and the replacement factor yeah. um, that you're, you're discussing. So um, I do know that there have been a variety of questions that you've asked for us to get back to you. And um, the, the traffic counts, I believe, were um, transmitted to you last week, but not that. Not per that, hour, right? Right, because they're still refining yeah, right. and making sure we are doing QC work on it because I don't want to just give out numbers. Also, I will say, I'll say comma, and um, that, that that is, in my opinion, premature at this juncture because what we are asking for your support as a body today is to approve the plan. We are not at the point to approve whether or not we're going to close a vehicular lane or whether or not there's going to be light rail down Broward or, or anywhere else. Um, this is the plan that we will embark on. Um, and at the appropriate time, a locally preferred alternative will be brought back to this board for a, approval. And that is, in my opinion, the appropriate time for, um, for those concerns, if they still exist at that time, to be um, 
uh, voice. Based upon that statement and based upon the fact that, as I mentioned, I like and trust both the county administrator and Ms. Cuff Lonergan, uh, you know, I'm prepared to support this today because I want to be clear, I support the north-south. I still don't know how we're getting over, under, around, through, or whatever uh, the, uh, the Coming river. soon. Coming yeah, soon. But, but I support the north-south rail. I support the uh, airport seaport uh, uh, airport seaport convention center connector. I support adding a lot of buses. I'm supporting 90% of this. My concern is closing lanes of traffic. And uh, I, I'm basically done, except can I ask uh, But one you're question? consistent with that philosophy, sir. Consistent, yes. You, yes, you I are. have been very consistent. <laughs> and can I ask You can ask Dr. Hanbury a question. Dr. Absolutely. Hanbury. Dr. Hanbury, could you please come okay. forward? Dr. Hanbury, I have two questions for you. One is, is there anything else that you wanted to say that you didn't have a chance to? And number two, um, you and I have discussed the, con the concept of light rail down Griffin, and I think if it went down Griffin, it would connect to Tri-Rail at I-95, and then if it continues down Griffin, it basically touches Perimeter Road. I think it's separated only by a berm, and you felt that this might be a, a better east-west connector that could be done without closing lanes of traffic. Can you elaborate on that, sir? Uh, yes, sir. And then if there is, my second question is, if there is anything else you want to talk about, I'd like to hear that. Yes, sir. But first, I agree with Commissioner Dean. This is transformational and long past due. Uh, the north-south connector definitely needs to be addressed and immediately. And I'm not asking for commitment, commissioners. I'm asking to be included <laughs> as a regional economic development district and not just an educational district but the only east-west light rail connector in this plan in the plan to be considered is north of 595 that's practically half of the population of two million people that won't be served with its regional activity centers with a light rail all by rapid transit buses now, that's the only thing that I have requested because Griffin Road, of all of the highways in Broward, you look at them doing high traffic counts, and I'll give the reports to the traffic bus, the county administrator, anybody. The traffic counts are on Griffin a six-lane divided highway is under capacity, and it's recommended that it will be under capacity through 2045. And you could still put light rail down Griffin, which ties exactly into what the senator said, right into the perimeter road of the airport. You could tie it right into the airport, and all the right way that the county has purchased from what's it, Malaluka Gardens and all of those locations, there's plenty of right-of-way east of 595 to tie into the airport, the CO port, and the convention center. You could bring it right down Griffin or the perimeter <laughs> road of 595 where all of the 
park and rides have millions of dollars have been built for park and rides on the south side of 595. There's many routes that you could send light rail without doing what the senator said, taking over capacity roads like Broward Boulevard or Oakland Park Boulevard, which are definitely over capacity, and using a train. So the answer to your question, Senator, is yes, yes, yes. Griffin Road would be a great location. Perimeter Road would be a great location. I've given that to the county administrator from our traffic engineer. My only concern is that none of those points are being looked at in the plan. And if I could get on record. They are now, Dr. Hanberry. Thank you. They are now. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> thank you. Okay, Ms. Mayor, uh, Mr. Hanberry, were you done? Just, okay. I just could say more, but I don't think you want to hear it. Just stay tight. If just you stay tight. Then, Mr. Mayor, th th thank you, Dr. Hanbury. Mr. Mayor, that concludes my report. Thank you, thank Senator you, sir. Geller. Now we're going to Commissioner Furr, who was another pull on this item. Thank you, Mayor. Uh, I'm excited about this. This has been when we pushed for the surtax five years ago now. This is what we've been looking for. This is we've been looking for the, this kind of plan that everybody, there was a master plan to begin with. But it was, it was somewhat, yeah, malleable. Let's just say it was malleable. Um, but this gets down to specifics a little bit more. Every plan like this is going to, we're all going to have places where we think it's going to need to be tweaked. And that is not going to end today. That is going to continue. There's going to be lots of um, discussion for years and years. Who knows what's coming? Who knows what's coming with autonomous vehicles? Who knows what kind of vehicles we're having? So in the, we have this um, surtax going for 30 years. We'll, what we should be trying to do is make sure that we do such a good job that it is voted again 30 years from now to keep to finish this. Because as much as we, as good as this plan is, is, it's still not going to cover the entire county. What we have to do, to, what we're doing here is creating the framework. And the framework what I, what particularly that I like to see is first the coastal link, and I am glad that now this version of it has the northern part on it, and because it, the, we you know when we when we put 27 and a half miles in the master plan for light rail, it was not the coastal link because we couldn't put it in because we didn't own it, but all of us thought, man, this is really where it needs to go, and now we're in a position where we can do that. We're doing small, small starts, fast starts, is that what it's called? Small starts. Hopefully fast starts. Um, um, on the Southern Link. I just want to put, put out here that it, we have the capability of doing the northern part. We're gonna, if we're only dependent on federal funding, we're going to wait a long time. We have the capability of doing it on our own with this. I'm putting that out there because that 27 and a half miles north and south is our, is our spine of this entire system. The part that's going, and, and this goes to uh, Dr. Hanbury's part, the east-west obviously needs to go, we need to cut the county in half. And that's your spine and your spur out that goes from there. Where, I think going down Griffin or going down, and I know, I don't know if everybody knows this, but there's an easement on 595 on the mm -hmm. southern side mm -hmm. that, it, that, tr that a light rail can go. Yep. 
And that is a good, you know, I know it doesn't have the economic development aspect of it, but sometimes we may not be able to do that everywhere we want to. In, in exchange for speed, transportation, efficiency, all those kind of things, which is what the voters want. They, they, I guarantee you, everybody who's right getting on a light rail is not going to be thinking, oh, because of the government, look at the department. You know, they're not going to be all cheering all the apartments going, what they're hoping is a quick ride to where they're going. That's what they really want. Um, so I have been pushing for the, for the, edu the RAC and the educational, educational centers from the get-go. I thought this needed to be the connection. And there's, two, and there's another reason I want us to think about it. Who's paying for this? If you think about where this is going to, to Sawgrass Mills, those are not the people that are paying. Um, to a, little, a small degree, yes. This is paid for through sales tax. The people that are paying for that are the, those students, the people that live here. And, and my feeling when I value this is it should be going to the people of this county that are paying for it because they're the ones who are going to be using it every day, not only today, next week, next month, next year. The one people that are going to, to Sawgrass Mills, I'm glad they're here. I'm thrilled they're here. There's 217 buses a day going out there. And they don't care. They just want to go out there. They don't care if it's a light rail or a bus. But they, they are not the ones who are paying for this on a day-to-day -day basis. When they buy their groceries, they're paying for this. When they buy anything in this county, the people that are going to those educational institutions and that live here are paying for that. And our tourists as well. And our tourists, absolutely. But, but we, know that they, we know the breakdown. And the breakdown is, is way more local tax payments. So I want us to value that in there. And I know we haven't, but I think we should. Because that's, those are, you know, we're trying to make this a, a place where people can live and want to stay. And the one thing that, that can drive them away is a traffic that is like, they just say it's too much. I've, I hate driving down to Miami for that same reason. I don't want to go down there. I know, uh, you know. No, I don't. Because the traffic, I, I'll never get, I don't know if I'm ever going to get back. <laughs> you know? It's like. I the point I said today. Oh, today. No, not today. Yeah, not today. Um, so I, I definitely welcome your remarks on this. I, I, you know, I do know when we had shown the entire Primo plan that there is a lot of stuff that is in the western, southwestern part that was not on the initial um, outlay of this. I ask that all, this, all the things that are being shown out there, all the bus routes, all the shuttles, all those things be included. Thank you for doing that. Because it does show a bigger picture. It does show, it, it, it shows a more complete um, picture. Um, because there, are, there have been a lot of things going on. A lot of, you know, added bus routes, added headways. Um, you're starting to get the um, adaptive technology for signalization. That is going to, those are going to be game changers. All the fiber optic being laid down, that's fantastic stuff. I am going to support this today, but I am also going to keep pushing for these other things as we keep going, as, as I'm sure all of us will be. Uh, we, we are embarking on, a, on some amazing stuff. And uh, 
I think the idea of continuing this conversation till we get it done and vet it. I do. The last thing I want to say is, today we passed on number four mm -hmm. a piece of property that is on Griffin Road that connect that could connect, and it's, you're already thinking of it as, in terms of transit. Transit hub. But I don't know if you've been thinking of it as transit for this. Because that connects right where the tri-rail station is. So, so yes, I understand and I and just voted because I understand the transit hub. It can be more than that. It can be more than that. And, and I want to and let's make the, the most use of that. And if we're going down, if they're possibly going down Griffin Road, this becomes a nexus mm -hmm. that that becomes an incredible nexus. I don't know if we paid. Well, I'll talk. I'll talk to you later on this. Um, anyway, those are my remarks. I'm I'm uh, happy this day has come. I do think it's transformational. It's getting used a lot. But I'll use it again. Um, it's a good word. It's a good word. It's a good word. Commissioner Fur, thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much for your comments, Commissioner Bogan, followed by Commissioner Ryan. Yeah, I want to first uh, say I agree with Commissioner Dean's comments, really well uh, spoken, and uh, and I think um, we'd be making a mistake approving 17 as it is today. <clears throat> Instead of a motion to approve the Broward County Transit Premium Mobility Plan, I'd like to amend it to say a motion to approve the Broward County Transit Premium Mobility Plan so long as the Regional Activity Center is considered an essential part of the plan as well as to, to consider the two perimeter roads as part of the plan. Because the words we use are very important. And the words we've asked, the, the words we've asked is, will you consider it? Well, I think the word should not be consider. It should be included. So the regional activity center should be included, not considered. Who's considering it? Who, Shapiro? Who, who's, who's the person so, considering so, it? So the word consider means including, because we don't, review that that's how in, I was in, in my it. profession consider is you know I'll consider it yes or no I'll consider it I, I'd rather change the word it should be included in the plan so there's a definitive definitive um, you know expectations that the regional you know, the center will be included not oh, we're going to so consider all it regional activity centers and the South Florida Education Center will be included they have been included is that part of the approval is that in the plan that we're approving today the, the plan that you have before you is the entirety of the framework. It includes the regional activity centers and South Florida Education Center. It wasn't listed as a line, but there, in fact, what you have in front of you has, like I mentioned in the memo I sent last week, it is included in it as a BRT, a bus rapid transit line, right there. What Dr. Hanbury was asking for was for consideration for light rail. So that on the fly is what I had mentioned to Senator Geller in my remarks earlier that um, I don't like to, I don't feel comfortable committing to a light rail because that's not, that's not something you do on the fly. Everything will be based on data, but it is included in the plan. And we will include in all considerations <coughs> and future iterations of this, they're all regional activity centers in the county and the South Florida okay. Education Excuse me. Center. Dr. Hanbury, can you come on up for a second? Sir, I, you said I, you, back to Sir, you said when you read it, it you know, it wasn't included. Well, um, I'm missing something. What was not included? It, the South Florida Education Center 
it's not recognized as an economic development as, as well as an educational center. And the plan, the plan talks about the bus availability, but does not mention an east-west light rail connector as it is north of 595. And all I've asked is that the light rail consideration, which is what I emphasize to the county administrator, that the light rail consideration to the SFEC be considered as a connector to the others. Because right now, the only connection of the SFEC is by buses. So I've asked, could the plan also include So could we amend our plan to the light have rail included as a consideration? I think, I think we're there, Commissioner, uh, by Ms. Shapiro saying that it is, is included. It is included now. Right. And that the consideration will be there for light rail based on the data that's, that will be provided as this is a living document as it that's moves on. Right. And I think Dr. Hamburg okay. is, is sufficient and okay with that. It, yes, sir. And, and the only okay. difference in, in the plan was that the plan so far does recognize the other regional activity centers connected by light rail. It does not show any consideration in the plan for the SFEC to be connected by light rail. And the plan even goes so far as to designate it which roads, like Broward Boulevard or Oakland Park. It's no commitment to anyone right now. I just wanted at least the light rail, because they even go so far as to drawing where the light rail would go to these regional, but there's no plan for a drawing that shows it coming down Griffin or the so perimeter there, road so that uh, the commissioner first talked. Right. That's that's the only thing is that for future iterations, that's for future iterations, if indeed you could show some line that not a commitment, but just a line that could be considered in the plan of how to connect the SFEC to the we other regional yeah, activity that. centers. And, and so therefore, it, so could be, it could be Griffin, it could okay. be Perimeter, it could be okay. 595 okay. Eastman, it's be all there. Hook, okay. uh, <laughs> that. I think it's there for you, Commissioner Bogan. Okay. And for everybody is committed, this board is committed to this consideration opportunities. Okay. okay. Well, if I can get an amen to that, that's, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thank you, Mayor. Hold on. Now, Commissioner Ryan's up. Amen, Brother Hanberry. Mm -hmm. Thanks. So, um, you know, you, you have the emphasis on, on light rail and, uh, you know, you uh, recognize that we're going to have uh, limited bus service, uh, rapid bus service that's going to be going, you know, out to the uh, educational complex. And as you said, it's not just Nova Southeastern, it's Broward College. Uh, you've got, you know, the uh, you know, University of Florida. Let's not leave those gators out. I think they're. I think they're playing in the uh, baseball national championship. They've gone they to Omaha. Won, they just won the golf national championship. Yeah. So I mean, we've got a lot of lot of outstanding stuff that's out there, and, and FAU. I think one of the things that uh, Commissioner Bogan was alluding to, and it, it kind of uh, dovetails with your, um, your your suggestion. You know, you you want to see at least as a viable alternative to run that uh, light rail on Griffin Road. So wherever we go with light rail, you know, it's got to be uh, a partnership between the federal government 
and, and Broward County because we've got the dedicated funding source with the, you know, the penny sales tax for 30 years. But uh, light rail, the capital expense for light rail is like anywhere from like 65 million to like 90 million dollars <throat> per mile. And if you can get the federal government to pay one half of the capital cost, then that puts us in line to be able to uh, to build out our system. So you know, obviously, uh, you know, kind of like the uh, the base is uh, right here at the uh, you know the mobility center right east of the airport. You know, and a people mover that would uh, run passengers into the uh, the five terminals at the airport and uh, elevated light rail that would go to the cruise terminals and then up to the convention center. So the natural progression from there is to go west uh, with light rail on 17th Street Causeway up to Andrews and then Andrews Avenue uh, north into downtown Fort Lauderdale. From that point, I mean, I thought that uh, what I was seeing as the most viable alternative would be to go from east to west from downtown Fort Lauderdale on Broward Boulevard and go all the way out uh, to 441 and then to uh, University Avenue. And it's not a problem to go on Broward Boulevard. You're not going to have to close off a lane of traffic. You actually will put the light rail in the median and you'll still have the same number of, of lanes for your traffic. So then once you get out there to, to University Avenue, you know, at that point, you, you, you've got to go, uh, you know, north-south because, uh, you know, we have our north-south connection with, um, with the commuter rail. Uh, we have tri-rail, and we're looking to expand that with the coastal link. That's our heavy rail. And then our light rail would, would go, uh, you know, east-west on Broward Boulevard, could go in the median on, uh, or could go on the south side of, of I-595, could go possibly on Griffin Road. These are alternatives. And in order to get to the locally preferred alternative, you have to do these. The federal government requires these planning studies because they're not going to be, uh, you know, investing, you know, half a billion dollars in a rail project unless they know that we can sustain the ridership. So that's what our task is going forward. And, uh, you know, we want to stay, stay on task and, and get that done as quickly as possible. You know, it's interesting what, you know, you know, Beam's first said about, um, you know, it's the, uh, it's the residents, you know, that are paying, you know, this penny sales tax. But, you know, the, the tourists pay a lot of that penny sales tax, too. 40%. And, we mentioned and, that. And just to remind you, you know, thank goodness we don't pay the penny sales tax on our groceries. So, but uh, we've got a long ways to go here. And uh, I, I think this is a great plan. I'm fully supportive of it. And, um, you know, it's, it's making the connections. And once you get light rail that runs along uh, <coughs> University Avenue, so there'll be, there'll be a stop, you know, right there at the educational complex. And then from there, I mean, you can branch off with, uh, you know, shuttle bus services and things like that to move the students, educators, everybody else all around this campus. It, you know, goes from, uh, you know, Davie Road on the east side all the way up to to uh, University Avenue. So part of it is, is a robust shuttle service. And I will tell you that with the penny sales tax, there is a lot of money that's available uh, for the, the cities and the towns, like Town of Davie, to go ahead 
and um, and have that type of a, of a shuttle service at no cost to the town. And then my my last observation is it's funny that you know you're so gun ho about getting uh, you know light rail on uh, University Avenue because uh, right. when this plan University um, Boulevard yeah when this plan was was first kind of introduced back in like 2015 and we were before the MPO the uh, Davy uh, elected representative uh, said that he didn't want to see um, light rail going down um, mm -hmm. University Avenue you know into the college campus so you know um, persons uh, uh, preferences they change but most importantly we're not going to get this type of development unless we have you know a study that's approved by um, the federal government and also by the Florida Department of Transportation. So if we work in collaboration, that's what gets us there. But overall, I'm very much in favor of this plan. Thank uh, you, Commissioner, Commissioner Ryan. Uh, Commissioner, the, believe me, as many of you know, for 30 years I was a city manager in four different cities. And in each of those cities, there was always a big debate light rail versus buses. And it's what Commissioner Furr said. Unless there is a better alternative, people are going to remain in automobiles. They'll take buses as the last resort. If they want to get to a location, a designated, a designated destination, like a regional activity center, and that's why the planners are connecting the regional activity centers because they are designated designations, but directly in a, in a dedicated, a dedicated, and it's some type of a system, a dedicated system that doesn't stop at every, gets tied up in the traffic. It's dedicated. If you can have a dedicated transportation system connecting all the regional and light rail does that at a cheaper price than any of the other high-speed connectors. So it's, it's, I'm not trying to be argumentative and I'm not trying to point out, but I'm saying for the future development, the transformational aspect that Commissioner Eugene, it's for the major, major activity centers that where your origin and destination you don't just have them to go to one and then to the other. You connect them. So I've never said, forget about the north. <laughs> you make a loop and you connect the entire system together through light rail. But if you don't start planning, <coughs> as the uh, county administrator is doing, you got to start because 35 years ago, I became to South Florida. And 30 years ago, I took a whole group as city manager of Fort Lauderdale to Denver, Colorado, and to San Diego, and said, you know, if we could do a light rail system like this on the street, which would not stop traffic, but the traffic would roll over the rail, but the rail would go straight, and everybody liked it and said, man, we ought to do that. We ought to be doing that. Now that was 32 years ago. We've been talking about it. We continue to talk about it. If we don't start, we'll never get there. So I agree with you. I like all of your comments. 
but I would encourage you to look at how can you connect all of the regional activity centers by the light rail, and if you could include that in the, I'd be happy as a hog and sloth. <laughs> well, you know, after, uh, after 30, after 32 years, you still haven't lost your accent, and uh, you gave us a little indication of where you're from. Thank you, Commissioner Thank you. Ryan. Followed Happy by is a hog. There you go. Commissioner McKenzie, you had a comment to make? Yeah, I'm going to be brief, but we, we had an opportunity when they did the presentation to give these same presentations. I think we all have it really deviated. I think the best version I've heard uh, of me is uh, Commissioner Ryan. Um, and I still want us to think about East-West, and not just Griffin. East-West on any traffic patterns we have in the city that are getting people to and from East-West. Mm -hmm. If I'm correct, the activity centers are to the east, am I correct? Most of the regional activity centers? The RACs, yeah. So I, I know, but just for the record, but we gotta get folks back and forth and we have to consider going through other uh, barriers or districts to make this happen. Um, a lot of people employed at our ports, airports, even the Sawgrass Mill Mall. I mean, there are tons of people that work out there that depend on the bus system we have today. So if we get this rail system, and we're, we're serious about it, because we won't be here in the 30 years, we'll be completed to, for the second part of it, uh, Commissioner Fur. but we hope that someone's connecting to that and making it better and continue to use the, the, sale, the penny sales tax. Um, one of my other concerns was the one-way pair. I'm very, I'm, I'm concerned about what does that do to traffic. So as we move forward, I just want to hear about it. I know this is not it today. It is what we're going to include moving forward. And I can always go back to Fort Lauderdale when we had the trolley, when it was a red trolley, and it was going to the Gulf Ocean Mile, and up and down Las Solas, and we were trying to get the ridership, and the commissioner from that district was trying to get the ridership. They never got it. Those trolleys sat empty. But when they came with the third rendition of the trolley, which is the circuit now, people are eating the circuit up mm -hmm. because it's more exclusive. You can say, hey, come pick me up from my home. Take me to Yolo's. They're killing that, but they would not get on that trolley the east side of town. But the people we're trying to cater with public transportation are the, the workforce, uh, are the people that we're trying to do affordable housing for. And we gotta build a real transportation system that works for, for all. Uh, those coming back and forth from Western. And, 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 but it's east and west. I think our north and south works for the attorneys right now. They can go anywhere they want from here to Palm Beach. But um, east and west. I mean, we were trying to do a federal courthouse to have a stop right there on the north and south. Mayor, can I just say that? The, <laughs> I just want to make sure Commissioner. But, but I like attorneys. <laughs> Commissioner needs to know north of 595 is the important part of the county. <laughs> south of 595 is less important. Just Commissioner McKenzie, can you finish and, up? And, and um, yeah, that I'm catching up, but we still fall short of east and west because of. Um, and that's what this whole plan wants to do. Folks from the south. North. <laughs> North. <laughs> no, but uh, um, I really think we gotta we gotta do. That. I think we're doing it, but I think this time we gotta we gotta get it done. Right. I heard this thirty something years ago, yeah. and if we get it done now, thirty years from now, we would have corrected how we built the town. We built the town backwards. Right. 
Thank you, Commissioner McKenzie. I have uh, Vice Mayor next. I'm, I'm going to be just really brief about this. Um, the surtax was a countywide vote, okay? I mean, everybody voted. People voted in Weston. They voted in Pembroke Pines. They voted in Miramar. They voted in Fall Lauderdale. So I, I'm, I totally support this plan, but I look at the maps and what we have out west and what's still considered out west, and we have a long ways to go. And I agree with you 100%, Commissioner McKenzie. East-west, there's, there's a, 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 a lack of transportation, and we have to make sure that that's included, um, as well as the educational centers. And a lot of the people, by the way, from the, go to, from the west go to the educational center. Yep. Uh, so we, it's, uh, look, as I said, the map speaks for itself. We fall short um, in certain areas. We know where they are. And uh, I just want to make sure that everybody is recognizing that this has to be a comprehensive plan and the taxpayers all over the county paid for it. Um, and I just, again, I have to want to say, I just say one thing. I mean, the Sawgrass Mills Mall contributes an unbelievable amount of revenue. So we just never can, you know, forget that that's a sales tax that comes from people. A lot of them, most of them don't live here. They're tourists. They come from all over the world and they pay their tax, their taxes there that go into our revenue. Thank you. Thank you. Commissioner Furr, did you want to have any last comment you said earlier? Okay, very good. I'll wind up and ask for a motion. Um, obviously, agree with everybody what they said. Dr. Amir, again, thank you for taking the time to be here. Um, and I think you're well heard, and I think this commission is committed to it. Thank you, Mr. Perra, for your team uh, and continuing to have this evolve. Uh, we are dealing about east-west, not just north and south and two. So it is a collaborative effort on everybody's part to make sure that the entire county is covered uh, in transportation. So excited about it. I want to support it. Let's get it moving so we can have all of these things and all these uh, implementation of us wonderful plans. So I'm going to have a motion from Commissioner I'll, Dean wanting to make item, a motion. Yeah, I'll move item 17. Okay. Been moved. Second by Commissioner McKenzie. Any further discussion? All in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries 9-0. Thank which, you, Dr. Which Hammer. way is north again? North. <laughs> <laughs> all righty. We're now moving on to item number 18, Ms. Leasing. Item 18 is a motion to adopt budget resolution transferring from reserves within the transportation surtax capital fund to recognize Broward County's local 25% match for the Broward Commuter Rail South project to be considered with the Broward Metropolitan Transportation Organization's Transportation Improvement Program. Thank you. Commissioner For you pulled this item? Yeah, I've already actually spoken to about it. Okay. I'm, I'm glad it's there. We're doing it. I do want to say, there are there are cities in the northern part of this that yep. are already working on their stations and they're you know we should be working hard, as hard as we can to make this a complete package from north all the way to the south. Yeah. Um, Commissioner Fur moves the item. Moves the Second. item. Yep. Second by Vice Mayor. Any further discussion? All in favor say aye. 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 Opposed? Motion carries eight to zero. Thank you. Okay, moving on items now to item forty eight. Actually, that's a public hearing, isn't that not? Yeah, so we're going to we move, skip that. I think we pulled item 59. Is 48 is, is a public hearing, though, correct? Yeah. So we'll, we'll hear you at that particular time. Uh, item number 59 we're going to hear now. Ms. Leasing, number 59. Item 59 is a motion to approve request for proposals. Managing general contractor 
for port bulkhead replacement projects group one for the seaport engineering and construction division thank mr just has signed up for this item i believe mr just would you want to come forward from the public is that correct is one member of the public has signed up mr just please come forward thank you mm-hmm good morning good morning thank you for this opportunity Mayor Fisher and County Commissioners, I am Paul Just. I'm a local architect. I've had the privilege of being asked to represent Sky Harbor East, a 17-story condominium and breakwater surf club, the two residential communities most directly affected uh, and impacted by the Port Everglades North Bulkhead Entry Channel Project. Sky Harbor is a 60-year-old 17-story condo, and I've lived there for the last 36 years. Port Everglades interest is one of the truly fashionable gateways to Broward County. <clears throat> it is estimated that over 3 million visitors each year by cruise lines, plus hundreds of thousands of private vessels, all enter the port. And it should be a beautified area where they can appreciate and, of course, our local community can appreciate. While we applaud the support and support any port expansion project, contribution to the local economy, our national economic security, enhancement to America's global competitiveness, our 169 families, and the 59 single-family homes we bear will, will bear the brunt of the seawall construction activity for nearly a year as a result of our homeowners have a real questions and concerns about how the project will impact our communities. Sky Harbor East and Breakwater Surf Club are located just 120 feet from the edge, inside edge of the bulkhead. Given the proximity of these properties, the nature of demolition to the area we call the Big Lawn, it is troubling that within hundreds of pages of construction documents, only a few lines of reference text pertain to how the character and beauty of our two communities will be restored. We are concerned that the sole approval authorities for whatever restoration work may be done are only the port and the Corps of Engineers. The lack of inclusion in our two with our two communities adjoining the inlet are involved in any of these restoration decisions is disappointing. Given the inlet project is scheduled to disrupt our communities for nearly a year. The tragic collapse of Champlain Towers at Surfside resulted in a rather large legal settlement when the court found that nearby construction may have damaged the building's foundation, leading to structural failure and loss of life. This bulkhead project will include substantial surface and subsurface construction activity, which calls for necessary precautions. From my experience, the construction documents refer to demolition as if the adjacent properties were clear-cut and written description of vibration isolation at, as meeting a standard in which the county may be more accustomed for underdeveloped uh, adjacencies. Thank you. We Wind strongly up, believe Jones. that there must be an accommodation to the high standard with which the state of Florida has now charged high-rise condominium associations including additional inspections requirements, substantial financial reserve obligations, 
to pre prevent the reoccurrence of a nearly recognizable Champlain Towers. Thank you, Mr. Just. We wrap up if you would. Okay. While it has been uh, not been factored into the needs of the project, for the purposes of economics, it is clearly that our residents, along with our friends from neighboring Everglades House, Points of America's one and two, will lose our longstanding tradition, which welcomes the bidding bon voyage to cruise lines, private vessels, and, and the channel. We want Same. a meaningful relationship with the port. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Given our concerns, we'd appreciate the opportunity to meet with Seaport Engineering, project engineers, and planners, along with appropriate decision makers, to discuss our concerns and questions, develop a better understanding for a better solution. Thank you, Mr. Justin. By the way, I want to thank also uh, Sky Harbor East, uh, Nicholas Kachova, the president, who sent the letter along with the Breakwater Surf Club, John L. Wilkinson, uh, who sent the letter through us last month. Thank you, Mr. Justin, yes. for that. And I know that- Mayor, don't you represent that I, district? That's what I'm getting. Okay. Thank you, Commissioner. Um, and also, uh, I'm glad that, uh, that our port folks, Glenn Wilkshire, was able to communicate with you this morning and our staff. And I can tell you that we are committed. And I think Mr. Wilkshire and the port is committed 100% to working with everybody in that immediate area. That is obviously District 4. And so I'm very, very concerned uh, about it. So I want to make sure that you're happy with the discussion this morning. Very much. With our staff. And thank you, Ms. Ms. Shapiro, for ha handling that. And we will continue that dialogue. And please, my office is always open, and Mr. Wilkshire's office will always be open for that, uh, for that dialogue to continue. Well, we thank you. We thank all of you. And we will coordinate and work with you. We're very happy to be addressed this morning. Bless you. Thank, thank you so much. Thank you, sir, for being here. Appreciate it. Okay. I think that's only public. Public portion not closed. Any further commission discussion? Is there a motion? I'll move. Approval. Second. Senator Geller uh, moves it. Second. Commissioner Udine seconds it. Any further discussion? All in favor say aye. 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 Opposed? Motion carries 9-0. Thank you so much. Okay, that concludes our consent agenda. We are now under our public hearings, which is item 43 through 49. Our public hearings will begin with item 43. Ms. Leasing. The public hearing on item 43 is now open. Item 43 is a motion to adopt resolution granting renewal of a non-exclusive unrestricted franchise to the United Stevedoring of America, Inc. for a new 10-year term to provide stevedore services at Port Everglades. No member of the public has signed up to speak. Public portion close. Is there a motion? Move approval, Mr. Mayor. Senator Geller moves it. Second. Second by Commissioner Dean. Any commission discussion? All in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries 9-0. Thank you. Item 44, Ms. Leasing. The public hearing on item 44 is now open. Item 44 is a motion to adopt resolution granting renewal of a non-exclusive unrestricted franchise to Cliff Berry Inc. for a new five-year term to provide vessel oily waste removal services at Port Everglades. No member of the public has signed up to speak. Public portion now closed. Commission discussion? Move approval. Senator Geller moves it. Second by Commissioner Rogers. Any further discussion? All in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion, everybody say aye. Aye. Thank you. Mr. Myers gives me that look, and I have to make sure everybody says aye. Passes 9-0. Thank you so much. <laughs> item 45. The public hearing on item 45 is now open. Item 45 is a motion to adopt resolution granting renewal of a non-exclusive unrestricted franchise to Cliff Berry, Inc. for a new five-year term 
to provide vessel sanitary wastewater removal services at Port Everglades. No member of the public has signed up to speak. Public portion now closed. Second. Moved by Commissioner Bogan, second by Senator Geller. Any further discussion? All in favor say aye. 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 Post. Motion carries 9-0. Thank you so much. Item 46 will be heard uh, with, uh, excuse me, no, item 46. I apologize. Go ahead. Public hearing on items 46 and 47 is now open. Item 46 and 47 are related items that will be opened together but voted upon separately. Item 46 is a motion to enact ordinance pertaining to the Broward County Job Growth Economic Development Incentives Act, amending sections 9.5 through 50 through 9.5 through 55 of the County Code of Ordinances. Item 47 is a motion to adopt a resolution pertaining to the Broward County Job Growth Economic Incentives Act Administrative Procedures, amending various sections of Chapter 19 of the County Administrative Code. No members of the public have signed up to speak. The abortion is now closed. Move it. Commission discussion. Second. Commission, and we're going to hear 46 and 47 concurrently, so the motion is to approve both 46 and 47. <coughs> Okay, I thought she. Okay. Move forward. Okay, so Move we're going to take item Mayor. 46. Thank you, Commissioner Bogan. Seconded by Commissioner Furr. Any further discussion? All in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries unanimously 9 0. Item 47. Move 47, Mayor. Thank you, Commissioner Bogan. Seconded by Commissioner Rogers. Any further discussion? All in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries unanimously 9 0. Thank you. Item 48. The public hearing on item 48 is now open. Item 48 is a motion to enact ordinance pertaining to repealing Article 4 of Chapter 20 of the County Code of Ordinance, implementing HB 1417, preempting the regulation of residential tenancies and landlord-tenant relationships to the state of Florida. The board's consideration of this item is based on the substitute ordinance distributed as additional material. One member of the public has signed up to speak. Very good. Again, this item is based on a substitute ordinance. I want to make it for the record, as Ms. Leasing said. Mr. Rayner, would you please come forward? We need to reupholster the seats, Mr. Mayor. The springs are starting to give. Uh, Michael Rayner again. Good morning. The place is 100 years old. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> 1947, <laughs> not 1923. Okay. So um, on this item, I, you know, what I loved about having the measure that the county enacted um, last year is when I actually applied um, to move actually into Commissioner McKenzie's district, um, I had to fill out the form as a new renter. And it was really exciting to see the efforts <coughs> that the county was putting into place to help educate people that were renters. And it was a really important tool. Um, regretfully, this, the legislature has, uh, through its uh, not so much wisdom, but has decided to um, not uh, help educate people as to their rights and take away certain measures. Um, I, I do know that, you know, some of my concern, which I know that the county attorney's office has provided us uh, with opinions and, um, you know, we still have concerns in terms of the Human Rights Board as to some of the human rights protections that were provided, which several of them were enumerated, um, and which are county specific, which we hope that this will not impact with the, um, the uh, um, substantial equivalency to the Fair Housing Act, um, nor will it impact, hopefully, 
the ability for the county to still carry out protections around source of income, around uh, military status, which really is surprising that, you know, the Florida legislature, that any time they can do something to protect the military, and I'm seeing a former representative, Roger, shake her head, um, you know, it's like the big gorilla in the room pounding their chest as to who could do more for the military and just be a military-friendly state. And unfortunately, that's something we're going to lose. And when that protection was, we could be losing. When that protection was added, it was because landlords were afraid to have possibly um, people that came back from active duty service who might have been wheelchair bound um, that might be damaging their floors. That was one of the arguments that landlords pushed back, which is um, why that protection came forward and everything. We're one of the few counties in the state that actually um, provided protections for veterans in, in that respect um, that on your military status. But we do have concerns that we could lose potentially some of these important protections um, that help with the affordable housing crisis to make sure that people have that. I think, um, you know, with the Human Rights Board or another um, board or agency within the county is to look at how we can still, if we are to lose more, how do we continue to educate Broward County renters as to what their rights are. And I know legal aid and other agencies are doing that, but I think we're going to have to make sure that people are aware of what their rights are in the state of Florida as they continue to erode them. Um, in the human rights section is gearing up also to possibly, in the event we lose some of these protections, to begin still tracking um, where uh, there may be concerns so that we could at least push for legislative um, efforts to uh, put some of these protections back in place by law if possible. Thank you, Mr. Rainey, for your comments. I believe it's only one from the public. So we're going to close the public portion of it and begin commission discussion. I do, have, I do have a vice mayor first, followed by Commissioner Rogers, who actually pulled it earlier, okay? I did, too. Then I'll put you on, okay? Well. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, yeah, thank you, Mr. Mayor. Uh, this one is particularly painful to me. Uh, you know, we worked very hard, uh, <coughs> did a lot of research. Nathaniel did an incredible job as our county attorney, assistant county attorney that was involved with this, researching everything, uh, to really try and uh, pass something that would, uh, would protect uh, the rights of, of tenants. We have a lot of things going on for landlords, obviously, but uh, there's not much up there that really protects uh, tenants' rights. And in addition to the, the ordinance itself, the Bill of Rights that we passed, we also had the 60-day notification in there. Uh, that if the rent increase is more than 5%, that um, they would have to give a 60-day notice uh, to, the, to, the, uh, to the tenant. So HB 1417 is um, really, uh, obviously, it's, it's uh, again, a preemption of everything that, we, that is important to us in this, in this community for people who, um, many of them are living at the edges, for sure. Um, so uh, the legislature obviously has seen fit to remove the ability um, of governments to provide some of these key protections to residential tenants. Um, so um, I understand why we're doing this, um, because we don't have a choice. Well, uh, you know what? I'm not ready to say that. Okay. So uh, for me, the governor has not signed this yet. Uh, the Florida legislature has, has, has uh, uh, obviously repealed these, these rights. 
um, but the governor has not signed it yet, and um, so it's not a law on the books that's in effect. Is that correct, Mr. Mr. Byers? County Attorney? Yeah. So I'm not going to support this today. <coughs> and I understand, you know, they, that you know someone may come down and say we have to, we have to do it, we have to do it later, but you know, maybe maybe the governor will get a a, a little sense of compassion for some of these people, and maybe he'll. And, Is it actually? Yeah, probably. Yeah, but uh, you know what? Uh, um, um, hope, 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 hope is eternal. Hope is eternal here, and I'm not going to support it until such a time as we absolutely have to. So I'm, I'm not going to say. I think, Mr. Myers, uh, I just want to recognize you on this item. Does it not go into effect if it, if the governor does not sign it? It becomes null and void. Can you explain that, that? That's correct, Mayor and. Uh, Senator Rich, I know, I know uh, you, certainly the work that went into this and, and the importance of, of the underlying protections. Uh, because of your comments during the last meeting, uh, our lawyers uh, got a little creative, and, and that's the substitute ordinance Correct. that's here. And it, and it ends with, uh, if this were to pass today, which, which takes five votes, and, and there's a reason to be consistent with state law to try to avoid a, a preemption challenge and potential attorney's fees, but the language now says, this ordinance shall be effective only if HB 1417 becomes law. If HB 1417 becomes law, this ordinance shall take effect on the latter of this date or that date. If for any reason, and it says this right in the ordinance, HB 1417 does not become law, this ordinance shall not go into effect and is void without the requirement of further action or vote of the Board of County Commissioners. So, so Vice we, Mayor, I hope that gives you that comfort level no, or not? No, it does not. Okay, <laughs> very good. I'm sorry. <laughs> no problem. No. I, um, I, I feel very strongly that um, we should not be sending the message that we think this is okay, even though the legislature has passed it. As I said, the governor hasn't signed it, and um, I'm just not going to support voting for something, repeal something that's so important to the pe to people who live in our in our community, unless you know it's absolutely there's no okay. other alternative whatsoever. So it does it's not enough for me. So. Very well, thank you so much, Commissioner Rogers. Thank you, Mr. Mayor, and to my colleagues. I, I know what my, our vice mayor is feeling around this item. As a legislator myself, former legislature, I really strongly believe that we should wait until the governor, until that period of time that he's allowed to not sign it, then it automatically becomes law, or if he chooses to sign it. Um, but when Drew explained in our briefing that you know, there's language that he's advancing and that will protect us if we vote for it that says if it doesn't pass, it doesn't pass and we're covered. And if it passes, we're still covered. I agree with the vice mayor. I don't believe in these preemptions, this bill that was recently passed. I know for me, my, one of my first bill I advanced in Tallahassee had to do with the rights of refusal, rights of first refusal on a sale. If they were selling the property, why not offer it to a tenant who has been living in your residence for three or four years? Didn't get that approved, okay? So I'm not surprised as to how everyone thinks, but not because the governor and everyone else in the legislature, except friends, did not vote for this. It doesn't take away f from us how we feel about affordable housing and the essential components that will protect those that are 
being challenged at this time, protecting residential tenants from discrimination and unfair and illegal rental practices was important to this county, important to our municipalities, important to everyone. So I do feel your pain, Vice Mayor, and I think all of our colleagues do, all right? But because of the Second Amendment, this number, I can vote with confidence that if it doesn't pass, because I understand it also, if it doesn't pass, it doesn't, there's no preemption. So we're, we're good. I'm hoping that we will vote for this because I will be voting on it. And I know it doesn't stop me from educating my constituents as it relates to their rights and how they can advocate for themselves. And I know there are other agencies out there working with us on this also. So it's all about us laws. If you're doing the right thing and you feel you're doing the right thing, we're going to continue to do that. And we're going to continue to educate. We're going to continue to find opportunities to provide for housing. This is how we beat this, is doing what we're doing here in Broward County to provide for more affordable housing and making sure that we put the right language in place to protect the integrity of what we want to achieve from calling it affordable. It might be affordable this year, and then two years down the road it's not affordable, then we have not achieved our goals of keeping that property in that pool that is affordable for a good period of time. And keep paying folks the right, the salaries that they need to be able to afford to live, work, and play here in Broward County. That should be our focus, to keep people employed. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Rogers. Commissioner Bogan? Yeah, I'd like to ask our county administrator, um, is there any page on our website that talks about tenant rights? Can we Build a page? Yes, we do have a page and Where? it is maintained. Um, and we plan on making sure that um, it is, um, depending on how this ordinance this, uh, is adopted today, we would remove the things that we would be preempted from um, stating there. But it is for education and we have continued resource information for, uh, for everyone to get. No, I mean, is there just like a one page that gives tenants yes. their basic rights as a tenant? We have um, that website. I'll get that to you. I'll get you the address right now. Um, it is maintained Could by um, Lenny's group. So I'll okay. make sure that's. All I was going to say regarding this is, you know, you know, if we don't repeal it, oh, we can get sued. And, you know, right. Commissioner Geller sometimes talks about getting sued. And sometimes it's maybe good to get, get sued. sued. <laughs> you know, no, sometimes it is good to get sued. Commissioner Bogan has the floor. Ladies and gentlemen. And, and, and sometimes a lawsuit will really bring out to the public uh, things that are going on in Tallahassee. And to start taking away the rights of citizens and rights to help people, I think is, uh, yeah, I'm going to vote no. And, and, let them, and I'd say let them sue us because I'd love this to come out to the public of why we're being sued. And, um, and, you know, maybe we'd have to obviously then repeal it. But if we don't enforce it, we can't get sued, uh, I believe. But uh, anyway, I'm voting no and, and just concurring a little a little differently with Commissioner Rich in that um, let, let them sue us for doing the right thing. And uh, that's that's my position. Okay. Senator Geller, next. Respectfully, I must disagree with my colleague, Commissioner Bogan and Senator Rich. The uh, All of us hate what the legislature did. All of us generally hate what the legislature is doing these days in terms of constant preemptions of local government. I serve on the 
Steering Committee, I think it is, a Florida Association of Counties of the Legislative Affairs Committee. The, the FAC has had it up to here. We're actually supposed to start grading, le doing legislative report cards on legislators. And candidly, most of them are going to fail because they consistently take away. However, for people that are saying we should not, you know, well, let people sue us. I have been involved as the county attorney uh, will confirm with trying to negotiate attorney's fees down when people sue us. When they sue us on matters like this, we always lose and we always end up paying attorney's fees to the people that sue us. And if I have a choice whether I want to pay a million dollars for affordable housing or for, uh, or for food banks or for mental health, or whether I want to pay that million dollars in attorney's fees to someone who politically I am going to be disagreeing with and knowing I'm going to lose, I want to pay that into services and not attorney's fees. So although it sounds great to say, well, we'll teach them, we're not going to teach them. So I urge the commissioners to vote yes in favor of this, reminding everybody that it only takes effect if the governor signs the bill. And if the governor signs the bill, we don't want to be sued and lose and pay attorney's fees. We want that money into all of our pet projects. So please vote yes. I want to recognize Commissioner Bogan for Commissioner please vote Udine. yes on this bad yes. bill. Understand. Commissioner Bogan wanted to make a clarification on his Yeah, No, I just wanted to say, look, at, I, I'm, right now it's not been, I'm only talking about right now since the governor has not approved it, it's not in law. Obviously, if it becomes in law, uh, it, there's, it's a different story. So all I'm talking about is right now the governor hasn't approved uh, it, and therefore, you know, I, I'm going to vote against it until it happens. Rebuttal. Okay, no. <laughs> I'm going to go on to Commissioner Udine, followed by Commissioner Ryan. So this only takes effect. This only takes effect if the governor signs this bill. Um, I don't think we should leave it out there and expose the county to legal fees. If the governor signs it, we should sign it. But I'm going to add a couple things uh, that will probably get me in trouble, but I'm going to add them anyway. <clears throat> I support us having something on the county website that has a tenant bill of rights. I think the work that Mr. Rayner and his group does, I've seen it firsthand out in the field, not only with landlord-tenant, but on sales of condos when you get condo associations that won't approve certain people. I think that's a huge, huge issue, so I think we should do that. But sometimes a lot of the stuff that we do up here, we don't think through on all the consequences that happens. And, you know, like I heard after we enacted the late notice provision that it caused rents to go up. This made the affordable housing in Broward County worse. I know Senator Rich doesn't agree with me, but the way that a landlord sets the rent is a landlord takes all their costs, and then they pass it through and they send a, set a rent and they have some kind of amount of profit that they're going to make and that's what landlords do. When our taxes go up by 11%, I think is what Marty said it's going to be this year, everybody's rent is going to go up by that amount because they just pass this through if you're in a one-year lease. That's how this works. That's how commercial 
life takes place. So if you're a residential tenant, you can get your 60-day notice. And I get it. We passed something that said if a landlord wants to raise their rent by more than 5%, they have to give you 60 days notice. So all that did was they give you 60 days. They don't have to do anything. They can still raise the rent. So the, the tenant still has to go at it and get it. So they just have a 60-day difference. But every day that things get added on to a landlord's cost of doing business raises and hurts affordable housing. So there should be something clear that every tenant can look at and know what that tenant, his or her rights are. If it's got to be on our website, we can certainly put that on our website. We can do those type of things regardless of what the governor uh, signs. We can have a link to our human rights board. We can have a link telling people what their rights are. And every tenant can look at this. But I can tell you, and people up on this dais can disagree with me, and I'm OK with that, landlords raised rents this year and they're going to raise rents next year because the property values went up their taxes are going up by at least 11 percent now if you're a homesteaded property owner you're capped at three so you feel a little bit better about yourself and your position but if you own a rental apartment you're raising your rents by 11 percent when they come due this year i've read every article that have come that's come out I've read every multifamily sale. I've reached out to our multifamily team. That's how these things are selling. That's how these things are trading. And every time you read the daily business review, that's what you see is going on with these rentals. They're going to make these dollars, and that's how they make it. Florida has gotten so desirable in South Florida to live that these prices are through the roof. With that said, I support it in the way that it's written by the county attorney with waiting until it's signed. I would support the 60-day notice right now to get rid of it because I don't think that's helping. I think that's hurting tenants. But that's just my two cents. I would support it as this is amended. And I urge us to pass this because like Senator Geller said, again, we see lawyers. A lawyer's fee is a lot different when someone's just paying the bill versus when they come in and the county or the state or the city is on the other side and they say, oh, by the way, you have to pay my fees now. Trust me when I tell you, lawyers don't get from the people the amount of money that they get when there's governments on the other side. No one can convince me of that. So I'm going to support it, and I urge this to pass. Before we go on to, obviously, to Commissioner Ryan, we're going to let you know that Mr. Pierre did email the link to the Tenant Bill of Rights to the county website to all of us, so we'll have that in our emails. Commissioner Ryan? This is a constructive conversation about um, what the county's legal exposure is you know, when we have these uh, preemption bills that come out of Tallahassee. And, uh, you know, there's been kind of a real uh, acceleration in the number of bills. Um, it's, um, you know, it's amazing that, you know, a government that um, holds itself by the mantra of uh, more freedom, uh, more individual responsibility, uh, less taxes, you know, continues to regulate, you know, what we do here at the local level and, uh, and pre -up, preempt our decisions. Uh, but, you know, we've been down this road before, and when uh, the governor, you know, signs the bill, you know, possibly he won't sign it. But the highly likely scenario is that the House and the Senate have held back about 100 bills, and they haven't delivered it to the governor's desk. And after they deliver it to his desk, he's got, you know, 10 days to either, you know, sign it or let it go into law without his signature or, of course, 
you know, he can veto it, but he has to do so within 10 days. Uh, I, don't, I don't think he's going to, um, you know, veto this bill. Um, you know, they, uh, the governor's office keeps a real close um, tab on everything the legislature is doing. And in fact, kind of, I think, uh, you know, orchestrates the uh, legislature's actions in so many policy areas. So I'd be very surprised if this bill wasn't, you know, enacted. And uh, so the question to, uh, to legal counsel, uh, Drew, um, if, if this is the kind of bill that says, you know, that it shall go into effect uh, immediately upon passage um, versus, you know, there, there's some uh, bills that say, you know, this goes into effect as of July 1st, and sometimes this goes into effect as of October 1st. Uh, do we have any kind of lead time uh, between when the governor uh, signs the bill or allows it to go into law without his signature and uh, the, uh, you know, the effective date, the enacting date? Because, you know, if we have a, if we have a chance, you know, that, that we could delay it, you know, perhaps against a hope and a dream that the, uh, you know, the, the bill won't be signed, I mean, I don't mind, but... I don't want another one of these scenarios like we had when, uh, you know, we had um, a local ordinance dealing with the regulation of firearms in Broward County, and it got preempted by the state, and then, you know, a lawsuit was filed, and what is it? it it's a, uh, a suit for a declaratory action in the circuit court, and uh, the, uh, the judge, uh, you know, sided with, uh, with the state legislature as an item of preemption with regard to firearms. So uh, we ended up taking it up on an on appeal to the 4th DCA. So you're talking about, you know, a pretty much a freaking summary judgment on written briefs at the trial level and also at the 4th uh, uh, District Court of Appeal. Just those two sets of paperwork and uh, the attorney, um, you know, for the uh, aggrieved party uh, gave us a bill. I think it was like $1.3 million. And, uh, you know, Drew and his team, they were able to negotiate it down to about $500,000. But you're paying $500,000 to a lawyer who's just writing a few briefs, and it's off the same song sheet that, you know, has been the arguments you know, by the second right, the uh, Second Amendment uh, activists all around the country. I mean, you know, you can freaking pick that up, you know, on the internet, those arguments. And uh, so we pay a half a million dollars. So, you know, what Commissioner Geller says is correct. I mean, you know, when you see the handwriting on the wall, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, I don't like to gamble with another $500,000, you know, or a million dollars. Uh, I'd rather vote on the, the Panthers tonight to win this game against Vegas. <laughs> you know, I got a better chance with that one. So um, what is your uh, opinion on that, Drew? Uh, what's our exposure? How immediate is our exposure if, uh, you know, we don't pass this bill? We don't pass this ordinance and the bill is, um, you know, signed into law by the governor. Thank you, Commissioner Ryan and Mayor. The, uh, if we weren't going into summer recess, we could do this in two weeks. Uh, we wouldn't have to do it today because there is a safe harbor under the statute that gives you 30 days to take certain action. 
and then 30 days after that to repeal. The problem is that the safe harbor statute's not drafted that well, that it's not clear whether the first action that has to happen within 30 days requires something from this board. I think it does, and, and we won't be able to do that. So it's our recommendation, you know, and again, if we, we fight these things, we, uh, we did negotiate down, Senator Geller was at the table as well from a million three, which was a stunning demand for a very simple lawsuit. Uh, this was, would be simple also, uh, but we could get hit with a half a million dollar claim or whatever. For that reason, it's our recommendation that the board approve this with that changed effective date language. If uh, we can think of something over the summer where we can claw things back, you know, you gave us direction to look at all of the legislation and, and see, you know, what we what is not preempted, what we can still do, and there's obviously a lot of stuff to analyze. There may be things here that we can recommend. On, for this right now, the safest thing by far is, in our opinion, uh, to act today. Uh, and because of this language, it will not become effective unless the law becomes effective. Okay. With, with that, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to uh, support the ordinance. Before we go to round two, uh, there was Commissioner Senator Geller and Vice Mayor. Um, again, I don't want to be repetitive. You know, first of all, I can understand the passion. I mean, this entire board worked <coughs> hours and hours in our city. I mean, our county attorneys worked hours and hours on this, and it's disappointing. But reality is reality. I mean, you just heard figures of half a million, a million three. You know, you, God knows where it could be. Uh, the attorneys yeah. have built into the ordinance, the substitute ordinance, that, hey, if it doesn't pass, we're all protected. But why put ourselves out there when we don't need to be? There's more important fights that we can have uh, on this dais in, 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 in the future for Broward County than this one, again, so passionate about it. I was so passionate about it when we passed, but reality is here. And, and this board needs to pass this, and it has the comfort level in it. And if it doesn't work out and the governor doesn't sign it, whatever, we're back in play again. But why, why expose ourselves? It just doesn't make sense. Senator Gulley, did you want to add any of that? Okay. Vice Mayor, did you want to wave it? Yeah. Um, I have just a couple of things I want to comment on. First of all, I, I feel compelled to, count, to uh, talk about the 60 day uh, issue. The 60-day issue was not to stop rent increases. We knew we weren't stopping rent increases. People are going to be increasing rents. The point was that if you have a, a, a lease with someone and you're, you're going to continue paying that till the end, but they, that they have to give you 60 days notice that the rent was going to increase because we don't have affordable housing. There is no place for people to live here. It was an opportunity to give people additional time, not to think that we were going to be able to stop the rent increases. Just gave people a little opportunity. So that, that tip, I have to just say that. Otherwise, believe me, they would be, we were already having a rise, a tremendous rise in homeless, there would be more because people would, more people would be out on the street and homeless with no place to live. The other thing is, I, I, I'm just, I, I'm, I, I just can't go along with this, I'm sorry, but uh, th this is not a law yet. And I think this is scare tactics with this whole thing with, these, uh, with the lawyer's fees. This is not a law yet. If it were a law, it would be a different thing, but it isn't. And I think, just like we did with the academic freedom, I, I think with the academic freedom is an issue with what we're doing with our libraries. We have to speak out. This is just one thing after another eroding rights of people. And I'm not willing to do that. We may end up having to do it if he signs it, but 
I think at this point we can send a message. It's not a law yet, and it's, it's, it's just sitting there. And we can go against it now and come back after recess. That's my comment. Is there any Thank further you. commission discussion? Commissioner Bogan? No, you know, um, I share your passion, uh, Commissioner Rich, but um, since we are going into the summer, and, um, and I don't, it's not really a scare tactic, actually. It is, it is actuality legal fees. And since I'm not going to be on the plaintiff's side of those <laughs> <laughs> legal fees, uh, um, in all seriousness, um, I, I'm, I, I'm going I'm, uh, no, I'm to vote yes, but I, it just kills me because I really share the same Everybody. feelings as Commissioner Rich and the erosion of, of, of the rights for tenants. Okay. Is there a motion? Move Senator Geller moves it. Is there a second? Second by Commissioner Rogers. Any further discussion? All in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed? No. Passes eight to, eight to one. Thank you very much. Item number 49. The public hearing on item 49 is now open. Our final public hearing item is item 49, which is a motion to adopt resolution pertaining to the Broward County Procurement Code amending various sections of Chapter 21 of the County Administrative Code. The board's consideration of this item is based on the resolution as amended by the uh, additional material. One member of the public has signed up to speak. Very good. We'll have our part for a public speaker then right now, Ms. O'Brien, I believe. Helene O'Brien. Ms. Mm -hmm. O'Brien, we have been blessed <laughs> to see you today, but <sighs> blessed not to have seen you for a while. Does that make sense? <laughs> <laughs> Well, and I'm going to no, make no, sure that you don't go that long. <laughs> I understand. That was a, that was a good compliment, wasn't it? <laughs> All right. Well, that's and on that topic, on that note, um, my name is Helene O'Brien, and I lead 32 BJSEIU, the union that fights for Broward County's humble and hardworking security officers, janitors, and airport workers. And we're here today to ask you to vote no on the proposed amendments to the Broward County Procurement Code because it would reduce the power of elected commissioners and give it to unelected staff. A county staff that have at times ignored the lived realities of those who guard and clean county properties, including the Fort Lauderdale Airport. Just a few years ago, you may remember, unelected county staff tried to convince a potential county cleaning contractor that they should convert full-time janitor positions to part-time janitor positions. Remember, we have that recording. And recent contracting decisions made by the county staff have led to many security officers losing their health insurance, their seniority, vacation, and their union protections. In fact, that same company is committing an unfair labor practice right now as on county property as we speak. Recently, the county even involved a sheriff deputy to intimidate a union organizer. The proposed amendments would permit the purchasing director to publish solicitations without your approval. Currently, all solicitations over $500,000 are automatically subject to board review and approval. Under the proposed change, commissioners would only have five days to request, and only in writing, that the solicitation be subject to your review. It would raise the contract amount for the director of purchasing to approve without your approval from 100,000 as it is now to $500,000. Despite the proposed changes to the procurement code being so dramatic, the county has not provided sufficient explanation for why the staff believe the changes are needed, nor have the staff been straightforward about the potential effects, what they would be. 
The resolution actually calls the proposals minor. And the May 23rd memo from the county attorney that outlines the proposed amendments addresses only changes to procurement appeals, not the other changes to the procurement process that will have serious implications for the general public, as well as county contracted janitors and security officers, among others, whose employment and livelihood are directly affected by the proposed changes. Why does a staff want decisions that spend the public's money to be made without public input? Lobbyists call and meet the staff just as they call and meet with you. But Broward County voters chose each of you to represent them, to make their lives and their communities better. Please don't give your power and hence the voters' power away. We ask that you vote no on this item. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. O'Brien. I believe that concludes our public comments, correct? So public portion closed. Now we'll have commission discussion. I'm sorry? Okay, Ms. Leasing, did you do you have another signature on sign up? Please come forward, ma'am. You can come forward. I'm just trying to figure out if she signed up for questions only. Oh, Ms. Ad, are you Ms. Adams? <coughs> okay, you had put for questions only on there, but that's okay. Go ahead, come on up okay. and speak. All right. All right. Um, good afternoon, commissioners. Um, my name is Michaela Adams. Um, I'm currently a security guard at the Port Everglades, and I'm from Western Florida. Um, my coworkers and I are contracted to provide security <coughs> services to Broward County's critical infrastructure like the port, Fort Lauderdale Airport and the Government Center, and also the courthouses. Our contracts set the standards for our jobs. When this, I'm sorry. When this commission approves contracts, it has a responsibility to follow good employment practices and choose responsible contractors so that we're fairly compensated for our work. Um, in 1978, it states the purpose of the procurement code are to provide for fair and equal treatment for all personnel. So why take that away now? It underlines the important importance of business integrity. It provides guidance on the types of products and services the government agencies should purchase. It saves time and energy by ensuring the the procurements are done correctly from the start to finish. Taking away transparency from the contract approval process doesn't inspire confidence in our government. Our contracts shouldn't be approved in darkness. They should be voted upon by this board and subject to public comments. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Adams, your comments. Does that conclude the public portion now? I don't see anybody raising their hands. Okay, so the public portion now closed. We're going to now open it up to commission discussion. Commissioner Bogan, you had a couple of comments? Yeah, um, there's a few things that have always bothered me since I've gotten here. And one thing that has bothered me is uh, I went over to council and I said, who put this on the agenda? I thought we're the policymakers. Not, and then if there's an idea that staff would have, they would come to us and say, hey, we have an idea. What do you think about this? I think it might be more efficient. But so. I'd like to, uh, this is not something that I would want to give more power to to our staff so they can increase from 100,000 to 500,000 unless there's some really good reason, which I'm not aware of. But um, I'd like to know who put this on. I mean, I thought we're the policy makers. Mr. Bogan, I think it was uh, the rewrite of the permanent no, code. He, uh, but so Mr. Myers. The council did some legal changes, but I'm talking about what, what Helene O'Brien was just talking about, the, the different. Go ahead. Right, Commissioner. 
I let Mr. Myers go. go ahead. Thank you, Mayor. Uh, Commissioner Bogan, there were some issues that we had uh, involving <clears throat> review of procurement challenges, basically uh, before right. DOA and how somebody seeks uh, to review that. Uh, so we wanted to make those changes. There were a couple of other little, I'll call them nits in here, glitches from the uh, comprehensive rewrite of the procurement code from a few years ago. But most of this, and, and I think we were clear during briefings on this, that most of the changes are being recommended by the purchasing director to, to try to squeeze more, you know, under the heading of efficiency, the recommendations to the board. The board obviously gets to make the decision ultimately as to whether it wants those changes or not. We do recommend the legal right. changes. I'm, I'm, so, so I'm not talking about the legal, uh, Mayor. I'm not I'm fine with anything that has to do with making sure we comply with the law. So the purchasing director is asked, uh, and administrator is asked, so the purchasing director could have more power. Um, I'm going to vote against it. I don't see the reason for us to do that. I don't like giving more power to staff. They're not elected to serve the public. And I think that um, if the purchasing director thinks that they need more authority, they should come and talk to me and other commissioners of, why are you on their behalf, why they need this? Um, I, but unless I hear otherwise, I, I don't know why I want to give staff more authority, especially with all the issues I know that we've had in the past about procurement. Um, I, I, I'm going to vote against it. So okay. unless, unless it's I'll let Ms. Shapiro respond and we'll continue on. Certainly. And, and, you know, honestly, a lot of this, this is the first I've heard from uh, <clears throat> from the public or, or anyone on, on this, because my understanding was that these were um, suggestions that were brought to us to improve efficiencies and to make procurements, um, the, the timing for procurements to go quicker. So uh, everything that is proposed here from the, um, what you're describing as, as giving more power to staff um, is just to improve the timing on procurements moving forward. For example, it's for an RFP to go out without having a five or six week, because whenever you guys see an agenda item, there's a lot of staff time that, that is built in to writing the agendas, getting all of the, everything in order, putting it on the agenda, the printing, and before it comes to you. So RFPs take an inordinate amount of time to get in front of you to, to do this. So what we're trying to do is make sure that those RFPs and part of this is for the RFPs to be able to go hit the street quicker. That's one piece. Can I stop the, you, American? Sure. Yeah, just, just time out right here because uh, we're at 1230 right now. So I'm going to ask that we have a motion Move to it. at Move least it. to continue Move it second. Move to it second. one o'clock and we'll see you from there. Okay. <laughs> Move to second. All in favor say aye. Aye. Both continue on. No, can I, can I interrupt yes, as you go? Just so my why, was looking at me. if there's a, a need to get out an RFP quicker, why don't we just have an amendment to our procurement code? So on an emergency basis, if things need to get out quicker, <clears throat> then then we, we have a, an alternative. But that's not what you're doing just here. You're asking to give authority. Uh, you're raising it from 100,000 to 500,000. You're doing some other things to give other authority. It's not just an, a timely issue. That, well, if you let me just let me yeah, finish. Yeah, go ahead, please. This. Okay. Sorry. So, that's okay. So, and from my understanding, and Drew, and, and I'll ask um, Bob Gleason to come up if he needs to um, correct the record on the 100 to 500 piece, because that's not the case here, from my understanding. So, 
Um, and Drew, do you have something to say on that? Mr. Byers, if you want to clarify continue. that point. Yeah, at this point. Yes, my understanding is right now, uh, staff has the ability to issue uh, solicitation documents up to $500,000, bids beyond that, but 500000 for RFPs, RLIs. This would allow staff to issue them in a larger amount, but again, and you know, it was, it was minimized that, that there would be notice sent to each board member, uh, just kind of like the clean low bid process, and if any board member had a problem with it, and in fact, some of the, re the refinements here from Senator uh, Geller's proposal would make sure that things are posted so every member of the public could see what's being proposed. If they had a problem with it, they could either notify administration, purchasing the lawyers, or a commission office, and the commissioner could pull it off of that list, and it would require board action then above 500000 to issue that solicitation document. Thanks for the clarification. So that, yeah, I just want to make sure that's clear. I mean, we're just trying to cut down on the five or six week lead time to have an agenda item. It would still come to you all and you would let me know if you wanted to have an item on the agenda for certain things so that they're, the large bulk of um, RFPs, um, would, would they could move quicker. The other piece of this um, that I wanted to make sure it was clarified um, is, you know, clearly we are just trying to make this a more efficient process. There's, there's full transparency, you know, there's an additional um, notice requirement that was added by um, Senator Geller in the amendment for a website. In addition to the procurement um, 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 framework and, and systems that we've got in, in place um, called Periscope that all vendors use, it would also be posted on a website. So there are a number of areas that are um, noticing to commissioners, noticing to the public, <coughs> We're just trying to make this more efficient. And we absolutely recognize that you all are the policy body. Um, and that is why this is being brought to you. And we discussed it in, um, in all the briefings. And we wanted to make sure um, that you all were comfortable with this. Um, there's also legal issues in here that um, were cleanups um, that we were asked to bring forward as well. Commissioner Bogue, you still have the floor. Yeah, I, I, I love efficiency. And uh, but I just don't understand with the efficiency. You're also again raising the authority level of money. We just got talking about how we don't want to get hit with you know half million dollars in legal fees is really important. But to give a purchasing department half million, it seems like oh it's nothing. So I don't know. I just I don't know why we want to um, give that away. I'm not for raising um, any authority to a non-elected official. Um, I'm all about efficiency. I'm all about implementing efficiencies, emergency powers, but I wouldn't be for raising uh, contract rates. Okay. Vice Mayor on the Commissioner Furr, followed by Commissioner Dean. Yeah, I guess, you know, I kind of feel the same way that uh, Commissioner Bogan feels. I'm just curious, uh, I, I ask a question of, uh, of uh, Commissioner Eugene, because um, you, you work a lot on this at the beginning of your, uh, your term of office altogether. And uh, I, I, don't, I don't see this as efficiency. You were looking at, and I agree, we need efficiency, it takes too long. But I don't see this as doing it. I, and and I, I'm just curious, you know, with, with all you, your work that you did, um, if you see this as what you would call, you know, efficiency for the Commissioner Dean? Yeah. 
So the thing about efficiency is everybody always talks about loving it until it actually has to roll out. And then once we roll it out, <laughs> nobody loves it. They say they love it, but no one's going to do anything to make it become more efficient. That's really how this all works. The answer to you, and I'm going to answer your question. 99% of what's in this change here, we should adopt without even, could probably be on the consent agenda. I think what Helene is talking about is, is, can be addressed by what Senator Geller put in there. There just needs to be a little bit more notice publicly. I can tell you, um, most people, even on this dais, and this may get me in trouble, are not reading the RFPs before we put them out. They're 200 pages of print that is so tiny that nobody is reading those anyway. What we sh the reason we're hearing where there's problems with that is if somebody comes to us with a problem. So Senator Geller, in my opinion, puts a valid amendment. This is not voting on a contract. The contracts would get voted on by the commission. These things would come to the commission for voting. This is a way that says if they're buying 600,000 paper clips or $600 million worth of paper clips, they can do that differently in a more efficient way to save taxpayer dollars. I support this with Commissioner Geller's amendment, giving the public the time to look at this. Believe me, they know how to get in touch with everybody before this goes out, and then we would be able to do that. We're already doing this, by the way, with most of the, a lot of the things that we're procuring now. We get these things every week on these clean bids and on low bids and on different things. This has worked out 99.9% .9 of the time in this almost seven years that I've been here. I've never seen anybody pull anything off and put it on an agenda on one of those clean low bids, and we get those reports every Friday. So. So you don't have a problem with raising no, not at all, because we're, we're talking about that wouldn't even affect any of these any of these contracts. Mr. Mayor. There's not one contract with personnel on it that's less than $500,000. You're talking about every contract that we have that involves personnel is more than $500,000. There's not one, I don't think, but I guess Monica's. Thank you, Commissioner Dean. Yeah, I just uh, wanted to also clarify. So this only affects. Vice has the floor. Go ahead. Th thank you, sir. I'm it's okay. I wanted to just to clarify that this affects the RFPs going out. Rankings, voting on the agreements, all of that still comes back here. And again, it'll be a notice requirement. And if you wanted the RFP to come here, um, it will come here. This is so that we could get the items out to the public to be able to be um, so, you know, solicited. There's another component here on the back end that is for reject all bids. Um, and so that's the other piece of this, and, and I may actually have um, uh, Bob or Connie come up to explain that, because I want to make sure you understand the full body of what we're talking about. Um, and also they can clarify that 100 to 500 piece as well, if, you, if you're interested. I'm going to have Mr. Gleason okay. come forward if he can yeah, undo that, okay? And Thank make you. those corrections. Again, Thank Vice Mayor slapping the floor, but I want Mr. Yeah. Gleason to yeah. make those clarifications. Right. That would be helpful. Thank you. Good morning. I've, I've asked my assistant director to, to help me with some of the details here. I'd also like to note. You speak in the microphone if we can hear you, sir. Teddy has her birthday. <laughs> Happy birthday. What a great way to spend at the county commission meeting. That, that was my secret weapon, Mr. Commissioner Bogan. So, so the, All right, listen up, so, folks. So the wonderful thing about authority is that it can be delegated. Responsibility resides here. Ultimately, this board is responsible for every decision that we make. Every place that I've been, 
authority is delegated to the people that are trained, certified, in the correct positions with the right skill sets to do the work. As, as the administrator has said, we're looking to save about four to five weeks in a process here that takes anywhere from 54 to 90 weeks to do an RFP, which I've never seen any place in, in my career. But for an RFP particularly, it, it takes an extremely long time. We have to come to this board three times. Once to issue an RFP, just to select to do an RFP, we have to come and, and ask permission. Secondly, we have to come back on the, on the rankings. And third, we have to come back for, to make the award. That, that's 15 weeks in a, in a potentially a 90-week process. We're looking to shave off just to, to decide which procurement method we're going to use. And um, I, I've never been any place where you had to ask permission to do an RFP, but here we do, and, and that's fine. That's, that's, that's the will of the board. We saw this as an opportunity along with some of the other uh, what we call glitches or other updates to, to, the, to the code. So that's our intent. If there's questions about the mechanics, uh, we can stop engines at any point anywhere in the process. I did not bring my visual aid, which lays out the RFP process. It's about five pages long landscape with 11 different stakeholders having multiple times to interject or object throughout that process. All of that adds to the length of time that it takes. And almost from the first day that I got here, the first thing I heard was, it takes too long to do an RFP here. So this is just one element in trying to mitigate that without taking anything away from the stakeholders at any point in the process. So if there's any questions about the, the nuts and bolts of the mechanics, uh, my colleague here can, can address that. So that's our intent. In, in this code change. All right, thank you, Mr. Gleason, for that thank clarification. You. And again, um, Vice Mayor, uh, the auditor wanted to say a few words. Are you okay with that? Yeah, sure. Okay, Mr. Melton, go ahead. Yeah, something I wanted to add that you all may not be aware of, but uh, may give you a little bit of comfort or it may not, I don't know. But uh, starting a few years ago, my office started reviewing all RFPs before they go out. And it, for those that were reviewed, it's common to have two or three pages of things that need to be changed in there. And we look for anything that needs to be improved, including restrictive specifications, whether we'll achieve fair and open competition, the basis of payments for services, contradictions, just anything that might come up. And, and so far, the departments have been very good about making all those changes. But if we ever see something that they refuse to change and we think is important, you can better believe I'll be sending a memo to you all to let you know. So in that role, from my viewpoint, we are serving, among other things, as your independent eyes and ears. Thank you, Mr. Bell, for that. We appreciate it. That gives a lot of comfort to us. Vice Mayor, you still have the floor. That's the most comforting thing I've heard today on this issue. Thank you. Yeah. I, I, I'm just, you know, for, for me, I'm just wanting to make sure, Mr. Gleason, that the opportunity for people like the union who usually have issues, you know, with their RFPs, uh, have the ability, you know, the same ability, no lessened ability to come to us and for us to be able to have this conversation and change things or, you know, decide 
you know, what, what we believe is the right thing to do, as we have on, on some occasions. That, that's kind of where I'm going here. So if you could respond to that. Mr. Gleason or? Somebody. So based on Commissioner Geller's Just amendment. Just put your name in for the record. Okay. So we have it. okay. Uh, Constance Mangan, Assistant Director. Based on Commissioner Geller's requested amendment, which adds public a posting of the proposed RFP that we're um, sending to the board by notice, that would be posted, we're expecting right now through our um, public bid platform, that any vendor could see it prior to the board you know, potentially pulling it to a commission meeting, or if it stays on, then we would advertise. But there would be the five business day posting that would occur at the same time as um, it being sent to the commissioners. So again, it's not just in a vacuum to the commissioners. Okay, thank you. I would also okay. add that the RFP can be stopped at, at any point if, if necessary. Thank you, Mr. Gleason. Uh, Commissioner Furs next. Thanks. Um, a couple of things. I, I think I, they've been touched on, but the, the importance of having more than just us look at that is when you go into an in, when you're let's say you're doing for a recycling center or something like that. The fact is we don't know, we don't have the expertise here. The guardrails are when the industry itself lets you know. Hey, this is being written for one person, one company by itself. That's where I, I think I'm, I'm hoping, Bob. That's what you're talking about. Is that you're are you, are you and and this is kind of hard. Even I would think for your department, how do you know enough about an industry to know that it's not that something's not being aimed at somebody, aimed at one company? Because that's that's what I'm more than anything looking at to make sure that, that, that those guardrails are in place. Because I've seen it happen. I've seen people have to go to jail because of it, exactly because of that. And ever since then, I've been on, on the lookout for how an RFP is written because it really determines who answers it. So to your point, I understand you're, what you're saying is you're trying to make sure it's fair, transparent, et cetera. But let's say if, I, if we're doing a, a MRF, a, a recycling center, how, how do you go about making sure that you have enough knowledge, background, to make sure that it's not written for one company in general? Mm -hmm. that's, that's a very uh, common risk and something that we always look out for because that, you know, it, there's a lot of reasons why a department may want to steer the business to a certain right. company. Right. right. So we look at the specs and, 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 and see what might stick out as something does this seem uncommon in the industry? If it does, we research it. We research the industry and, and try to find out if that's something that's common. We may talk to somebody, other company, in some other part of the country that's in that industry and ask them about that particular specification. Um, you know, and then just be alert for things that appear to be restrictive. Another thing is, that can, in that same arena is proprietary. Right. They can say, well, this is proprietary, therefore it has to go to this company. We research it and see if it really is proprietary okay. or not by contacting other companies and ask if they can service this or okay. whatever. But, but, the, but I, I imagine um, companies will alert you if, if, they, if, you're, if they feel like this is too narrow a scope. <clears throat> Or yes. Do, right? Yeah, yes. I mean, that's, yes. that's what you're looking for. You're trying to make sure 
that the scope is not so narrow that it only one company can do True. this. True. Um, so to that, to that, I, I have you already put the, that amendment. Yes. In? It's okay. our, we're voting on we're voting on the amended okay. so as Senator as Geller. That absolutely needs to be in there, and I would say anything like that being able to put it. I guess you don't put it in journals yet, but you, you put it in like Demand Star and those kind of things. Yes, Demand Star was just purchased by our new system, Bonfire. So Demand, we're, we're, okay. So, so I'll tell you that all this is bonfire. Bonfire is going to be our new system in the in, next instead year. of Demand Star. Instead of well, de currently we use Periscope. Okay. Many municipalities use Demand Star, but our new platform, our new tool, is called Bonfire, and they ap actually acquired Demand Star in the last year. So we're going to have a, a larger <laughs> group of suppliers that are part of our supply base. If I could add one more thing, though, uh, many of the suppliers, they have my number, they have my mm -hmm. name, and they see something. They let me know. We have training to make sure. They call them red flags. Uh, those are red flags. Uh, there's the fraud triangle. And all the procurement officers are trained on this. We just had a briefing by the FBI uh, maybe three, four weeks ago. So we're, we're well aware of this. Specifications are typically more pertinent to bids. We went through the bid versus proposal presentation. Uh, many times RFPs, we might know what we want in terms of a solution, but we're looking for the various uh, suppliers that can solution that or, or, or provide that solution. So it's, it's probably less pertinent in terms of specifications, more so than requirements or outcomes and results that we're looking to achieve in our contract through the RFP process. So um, there's less likelihood with proposals and RFPs to have anything that's hardwired to a specific uh, supplier, although it can happen, of course, but more so with bids, you're going to find where people copy and paste the requirements off of a manufacturer's website, they put them into the bid documents, and, and that's a red flag for sure. And the suppliers will call us and let us know if we have done that. Okay. Is there anything you, you would add to, besides putting it on bonfire, what else, so, so that it, we make sure that it is widely disseminated? Well, or is that the, that's kind of the end all? It's, it's not the end all. Uh, I expect our, our clients the, the, uh, or anybody to let us know if there are suppliers that we can direct solicit. Now, when it goes out into the supplier networks, you may have heard of uh, Ariba. There's yeah. the Ariba supplier network. There's Oracle, the Oracle supplier network. In this case, we're using Bonfire, and they probably have 50 to 60,000 suppliers across the country that have signed up through category or commodity codes to be assigned to certain, certain areas that, we, that any public body acquires goods and services from. So uh, it's a pretty big network, um, and that gets us out to you know, 15, 20,000 suppliers on any given procurement. But Does to the extent that we do our research and we identify specific suppliers that do um, air bridges to airplane and you know right. there might be three or four in the universe we'll directly solicit our solicitations to them to make sure that they're competitive in this does it cost us extra money to go to other besides bonfire let's say we want to go to oracle or well, there's always a money component to the but system it, it, we could get better systems than bonfire that you know but you know within the constraints and, and the universe of our needs we, we believe that Bonfire was the tool and we went through a process. Yeah. I'd also like to add currently, so we blast it out through Periscope, it goes through their network. Things like Demandstar or um, 
Kelly or Blue Book or something, they'll pick up from that and okay. they kind of shoot it to theirs <clears throat> as well. This will have to come to our So it gets amplified from other ways. From from that, or it's, okay. you know, it might not be the full solicitation, but it's sprinkled out there of hey, Broward County's looking for, you know, rehabilitation bridge. Okay. It, it gets so you're feeling but you're feeling with what um, Senator Geller is putting out there that that would be sufficient in getting the word out? Oh yes. Because I know for us, we don't I'll, I'll speak for myself. I will not have the expertise on most of that stuff. And You're speaking for all of us. Yeah, I think so, probably. Um, and, but and our and we are relying on industry. Obviously, we're going to well and relying on Bob um, to make sure that it's fair, it's transparent, and it's not steering toward one company. That's that's my my main concern. Because most, most procurement people are survivors. <laughs> And they've okay. seen what can go wrong in a procurement, and they've learned from okay. mistakes, what they've seen in others. So we're all about that. Okay. And I think one of the reasons we – thank you on that. And one of the main reasons I think we are, we've been trying to emphasize the RFP is because it gives us a little bit more leeway in terms of personnel issues. And I think, all, I think there's a lot of support for that. Um, it's, there's some values based in there that may not go into a, a bid, so to speak. And I think those are the reasons why we're doing that. Um, I, 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 I'm having to trust here that the guardrails are there. Is what I'm, what I'm saying. Um, and it's a little. It's, it, I, I, I'm glad you're doing what you're doing, Bob. But it, but it is. Those are those have always been concerns of me, of mine, with RFPs, and I've always counted on the general public to alert me as a, as a policymaker if something is askew and I don't want it I don't want that taken away yep. so that's that's my thoughts I think Mr. Pierre want to make a couple of comments yeah I just wanted to um, add one more uh, point to the questions you were asking about um, the the reach uh, on these and so um, um, in our OESBD office uh, Sandy Michael McDonald also um, um, puts this out to the South Florida marketplace so all the small businesses are alerted as well. So that's another uh, mechanism that I wanted to make sure you were all aware of. Okay, we're going to, just FYI, we're going to continue this discussion. I have like three more commissioners, but our recorder does need a break, so we're going to wind this up if we can in the next five minutes or so if we can, okay? If not, we'll have to be taking a break pretty soon, okay? I got you, Commissioner Ryan. So I wanted to make sure Commissioner first good. We're going to go to Senator Geller, Commissioner Ryan, and Commissioner Rogers. Commissioner, Senator Geller, you did a wonderful job on your amendment. We praise you for that. Thank you. Um, let me just say that at the uh, retreat, there was one of us, which was me, that listed as our priorities or concerns that procurement takes too long. So I'm supportive of this because it will speed up procurements. Now, what my amendment does, if you haven't read it, is require it be posted on the appropriate websites five business days, not five regular days, five business days in advance. If anybody feels that that doesn't give the private sector enough time, you want to make it seven business days or eight business, I'm fine with that too, but I do want to speed up procurements. I've been hearing about this complaint since before I was elected to the county commission. If this will speed it up, and again, remember, it's only on issuance of the, of the procurement, um, 
I'm, I'm in favor of it. Although, as I said, if anybody thinks five business days is insufficient, I'm okay with six, seven, eight, but I wouldn't want it more than that. That's all. Thank you, Mr. I Mayor. I think your five is perfect. Commissioner Ryan? Throughout this discussion, I actually uh, was, was listening to um, you know, the various uh, positions and um, wasn't going to speak, but once we got into a discussion about, you know, there's, um, um, you know, certain vendors that have a, uh, you know, particular type of, of specialized service that they want to, um, you know, offer the county. And, and it brings me to an issue that we have talked about before. You know, sometimes um, in procurement, um, you um, grant an award, and uh, Mr. Gleason, if you can come back up. You know, sometimes, uh, you know, the county approves an award and uh, the vendor uh, has a proprietary interest in, uh, you know, the system or the software or, you know, uh, you know, the renewals on it and this and that. And uh, several times, you know, we've been into a contract that's gone through, you know, a couple years of performance and, uh, you know, we get a, uh, an amendment and uh, staff will tell us, county administration will tell us, well, you know, we really don't have an option here because this is the only vendor that can provide this service to, you know, to continue, um, you know, the, uh, the performance of, again, the system and the operation, whatever it is. Uh, is there some way that in procurement we can make a distinction that if we're going to go with a vendor that's like a, a single source, you know, vendor and, uh, you know, they have proprietary interest in their systems, that we could somehow make that, you know, distinction and just, you know, bring it with a greater uh, amount of attention to us members and, 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 you know, give us an opportunity to, to look at, you know, what are the alternatives? Because it always seems that, like, you know, we're getting kind of beat up on the on the tail end when we have to complete, you know, the um, you know the duration of the you know the system's operation. So, uh, if you could just, I don't expect you to give me an answer on this right now, but if this is something that maybe you could look into and um, you know share with me and for, and you know privately with the other members yep. about you know to your share with the board if you would, Mr. Gleason, and especially with with Udine because he yeah. loves <laughs> procurement. You give him a new project. Thank you, Commissioner Ryan. Commissioner Rogers? Right? Yeah. Thank you, Mr. Mayor and colleagues. I was looking out at Sandy McDonald, and I wanted for him to really chime in here because I know you have a population that you are close to. So there's something that this proposed resolution will do that will make it easier for someone that you might know that just made you feel <clears throat> comfortable that we're going in the right direction. I started thinking about you and the groups that you're nurturing through the various processes. Anything that is coming out of this resolution that you think is good, you're, that makes you feel good about it. I'm not asking you what you think is bad. I'm asking you because you had to look at this. <laughs> Mr. Senior McDonald, to you're you? just going to need to come forward for the record and hopefully okay. you can say that you Mr. agree McDonald. with the resolution. Mr. McDonald. Mr. Mayor and through Ms. Monica yes. and Mr. Mayor. Mr. Michael McDonald, good evening or good morning. Good evening. Good evening. Good afternoon. <laughs> Mayor, commissioners, 
county administrator? No, so um, Commissioner Rogers, we don't believe there's anything in here that actually goes against who we are and what we do in the population we serve. A portion of what uh, Commissioner Furr also was asking, and Bob may have addressed mm -hmm. some of the conditions by which we try to make sure specs are written for a wider population. The other part we need to remember, we can always take purchasing information and what the county administrator was also alluding to, the mayor joined me three weeks ago or a month ago at the South Florida Anchor Alliance. We're trying to make sure everything the county procures and our small businesses have easier access. So even though we might not be able to buy and we probably shouldn't buy five or six procurement platforms, as long as our information, which the county commission has committed, also is shared through the South Florida Anchor Alliance, all of our small businesses have access to that. And in addition, all of our small businesses also have access to the, uh, the seven different institutions, even in Miami-Dade, our Broward Health, our uh, Hallandale. So South Florida Anchor Alliance affords us now to make sure information is shared with more. The recommendation for today as long as the piece that Commissioner Geller has added to, and that's on the website, we can make sure that our businesses are just as aware in advance for that five-day period. So this doesn't trouble us for what we're responsible for, for the small business community. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Rogers. Commissioner Rogers still has the floor. Okay, I just wanted to trigger a conversation because I know there's a population that will complain that there, there's no access and they don't get the information timely and it could be for many reasons. So the reason I'm asking the question, how does that benefit that population that we know come to us last minute and they're talking okay. about not well, getting sir. information. Thank you, Mr. Mm -hmm. Mayor. Thank Mr. You, for Monica. one comment before I bring it in for yeah, a landing. Do you, use, do, do, do you use bonfire to disseminate all yours? No. So no, so as, it's a as the purchasing director was sharing with you, that's the next move that the county is taking. Bonfire is going to become your new are you um, using platform demand, for procurement. Are you using Demand Star right now? Right. So, and again, as he was mentioning, Bonfire has also procured okay. Demand Star. The point I'm trying to make is that as we grow the South Florida Anchor Alliance, no matter who the cities are, no matter what their platform is, they would then be tied to the same anchor system that we're doing with Miami-Dade and Broward, where all of our information will be made available to everyone. Okay. So even once the city moves to, to Bonfire, that still will be made available. Those folks who are using Demand Star will still be made available. And this also creates an ease where everyone doesn't have to go buy, as a small business, nine systems. That's the key to that larger South Florida Anchor Alliance, Thank you. which you committed to. Thank you very much. Okay. Thank you, Mr. McDonald. Okay, so just real quickly, I just wanted to say that obviously, um, personally, since Mr. Gleason has come to work for Broward County, procurement has just been absolutely amazing. So I have to give him those kudos. And as a professional, he's talking about the opportunities to shorten time frame to become more efficient. That's what I'm all into as well. Um, vendors, I think, will love it. Uh, it creates jobs quicker if we can get things better on the street and get things awarded. So I think time is of the essence here as well. And I believe we have the safeguards. I think with the safeguards for 32BJ, we've heard that tonight. We have the safeguards with Mr. Melton. And we have the safeguards ultimately that we're going to make those decisions anyway. So we're going to have the opportunity to make those decisions and bring them back to the board. So I think it's a win-win for everybody. 
at the end of the day. So I know that uh, there was some there was some confusion, but also I think the discussion was extremely healthy, and we learned a lot from that discussion. So is there a motion to approve item 49? Who said it? Did you, did you move the amendment? With the Geller, that's included. It's, 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 commissioners, it's already been put into the record as amended, correct. Okay. Moved it by Senator Geller, seconded by, second. by Commissioner Dean. All in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries nine to zero. So our clerk at the back needs a, a break, so we're going to go ahead and break for lunch. Uh, is it the board's commission, maybe 45 minutes at 1.45? Aye. 145 good? Yeah. Everybody good? Come back at 145, which means 155. But 145. 145. So we are now in recess. <laughs> are you sure you don't want to talk some more?
And Senator Geller, who has to be out earlier, he's not even here now. Yeah. Uh, Commissioner McKenzie's got an important phone call right now. And we got Commissioner McKenzie in the back too, so. Okay. All right. We are going to um, come back uh, to our commission meeting. We had had completed the last item. We had completed our public hearings, so we're back on our regular agenda. <clears throat> and our first item is, of course, item 50, the delegation. Uh, Mr. Call Grant. Mr. Call Grant, are you here? To call Grant, are you here? Well, last call. He, he was here before we took the break for lunch. I anticipate that he'll be back. So okay. Yeah. So we're going to move on. Okay. If he does come, somebody let me know, and then we can place him on the agenda at that time. Okay. Item fifty-one, Ms. Leasing. Item fifty-one is a motion to approve term terminal building lease agreement between. Broward County and Alaska Airlines for the lease and use of 671 square feet of airline ticket space in Terminal 1, ticketing level 265 square feet of baggage service office space in Terminal 1, arrival level 150 square feet of operations space in Terminal 1, concourse seat ramp level, and 36 square feet of storage space in Terminal 1, ticketing level at Broward County's Fort Lauderdale Hollywood International Airport commencing on July 20th, 2023 and terminating July 19th, 2028. No members of the public have signed up to speak. Thank you. Any commission discussion on this item? Okay. Senator Geller moves it. There's a second. Second by Commissioner Dean. Any further discussion? All in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries 8 0. Item those 53. From, those from Mark Gale. Aye. Item 53, item 53. is a motion to authorize. Director of Aviation to execute a consent to assignment of the agreement of lease between Broward County and Arosa Aviation LLC for property located at Broward County's Fort Lauderdale Hollywood International Airport to permit FBFLA Aviation LLC to become the sole member of Arosa Aviation LLC to provide it has been reviewed and approved as to legal sufficiency by the Office of the County Attorney. No member of the public has signed up to Move speak. Wow, you know discussion. Moved it by Just Commissioner quick Bogan. Quick Second by Senator Geller. We're going to have discussion now, correct? This is uh, Fountain Blue, on. I believe. I'm totally supportive of this. This is the first time in Broward County's history we're getting a Fountain Blue, Blue brand in Broward. So it's coming up from Miami-Dade, so this is good. I support this. And no free rooms, though. That's no, a shame. Uh, no, but it's good. <laughs> it's good for our brand as we push forward. Absolutely. So welcome, Fountain Blue. Any further discussion? All in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries 8-0. Item 54. Item 54 is a motion to approve <clears throat> issuance of rental credits by the Broward County Aviation Department to signatory airlines operating at Broward County's Fort Lauderdale Hollywood Aviation International Airport in an amount not to exceed $35 million to offset a portion of the terminal rental fees and charges due from the signatory airlines in fiscal year 2023. No member of the public has signed up to speak. Move by Senator Garrett, second by Commissioner Rogers. Any discussion? All in favor say aye. Aye. 
opposed? Motion carries eight to zero. Mr. Mark Gale, is he in the audience? In person? In person? Just saluted you. Just want to um, seriously just thank you for your um, your briefings. I don't know how you put all this together, quite frankly. So kudos to you and getting all these airlines and dollars and cents. It just really is uh, astounding every time I uh, sit and talk with you about these things. So That's why he makes the big bucks. That's exactly right. So keep doing what you're doing, my friend. <laughs> all right. <clears throat> okay, we are now under 57, I believe, and we're we're going to take 61, of course, concurrent with that. So read both of them, if you would, Ms. Leasing. Item 57 is a motion to discuss county administration's proposed ban plan to test water for PFAS <coughs> and other contaminants at the Broward County's water treatment plants. No member of the public has signed up to speak. And item 61 is a motion to discuss and direct county administration's activities related to the testing of the water supply of Broward County per for PFAS and other contaminants. No member has uh, signed up to speak for that item. Now, don't we have a motion B on this as well? It needs to be read in the record or not? Uh, it does not need to be okay. read in the record. We just asked that the, the board wanted uh, a votes on item 57. Since the first part's only a motion to discuss, you don't Correct. need a vote, but just a vote on part B. Thank God, you. just vote on part B is by itself. Okay, very good. All right, discussion. I'm gonna miss Sapiro. Did you wanna kick it off and then follow by of course, Commissioner Bogan will, but I'm going to have Commissioner uh, Ms. Shapiro kick it off if we well, would. Well, we're happy to um, kick it off. Um, as directed um, uh, two weeks ago by the board, we um, brought back this item to, to share um, what it is that we have proposed <clears throat> as the plan to test um, the water at the two sites. Um, so what you have in front of you and you look at Exhibit 2, it kind of gives you a little bit of a chronology of the timeline. Um, and I did want to let the uh, the board know that the two um, uh, the samples from the two testing um, treatment plans have gone out. They have been confirmed that they are received, um, and we're waiting on the results now. So um, I have Mr. Garcia here that can elaborate after um, when at the appropriate time. Okay, we're going to continue discussion on again both items. Commissioner Furs obviously has got some comments. I want Commissioner Bogan to also. Sure. Part of his items can go First kick of all, it off as well. Thank you, Mayor. I thought you were going to come out with a plan on, on the other 26, 24 other water <laughs> districts. Uh, it says county's proposed plan to test for PFAS and other contaminants. We already talked last time about two, so we're waiting for that, and then we'll come back and talk uh, at the end of this, at this uh, summer break after about that. Well, or I, I might be confused. You no, know, because mm -hmm. um, we had the conversation about that the other water. Um, um, utilities are okay. 26 other utility or 25 Five. other utilities yeah. um, in the county and we don't have the jurisdiction over them okay so on number 61 mayor I just mm -hmm. wanted to take 60 seconds uh, and let everyone know that um, I even heard this from Commissioner Ryan's nephew uh, who's a mayor said that he went to the National Association of Mayors in Ohio it was one of the biggest topics talked about was the PFAS issue I also sent everybody a little memo talking about attorney generals around the country who are now filing suit. This is not uh, some obscure issue, but something that's pretty major in, uh, in, in the water supplies. And the one thing good I did learn, um, thanks to Beam, I actually spoke, everybody should know this, so Hollywood has their own uh, reverse osmosis system, right? And Dasani buys Hollywood water. So you're thinking, 
are you just getting Hollywood mm -hmm. water? And the guy who runs the plant told me, he's going to invite me over, he said, we take this water from Hollywood, which is reversed osmosis, and then we reverse osmosis again and put uh, minerals in it and then sell it. So, so uh, kudos to Hollywood and to the, the Coca-Cola bottling plant for even the Diet Coke stuff. That, whatever they bottle there is, the water there has got to seem pretty ultra pure over there. So you can fill that up a thousand times for a dollar. So, oh, that, tap. so I'm done. We're done. <laughs> is that it, sir? Yeah, I, I am. I, as I said, I want to just for my own fun. Everyone has fun in their own ways. I'm going to go do about four tests of different bottled waters and different. Um, I did take a tour of the Deerfield Beach water, which is incredible how they clean the water there. But they told us the dangerous, or not dangerous, but the more uh, vulnerable places in our county are the ones that don't use reverse osmosis. They use um, uh, oh, I, lime, softening. lime softening, which is so there are water districts that use lime softening that does not get out a lot of these chemicals versus reverse osmosis. I'd like to ask, you know, not now, no, no, say, I'm going to call you and just I want to find out the ones that do lime softening. Can I find out from you? Okay, thank you. I'm done. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Very good. So, Commissioner Furr? Sure. Thank you. Actually, Hollywood does lime softening as well. It does reverse and osmosis and lime softening because they blend the two aquifers. So you get a, 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 a perfect taste. <laughs> you get the sunny water. That's how you get it. Perfect clean water with the exactly. perfect yeah. taste. Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, you know, I, uh, the, exactly. <laughs> Last time, um, I didn't have a chance to do as much research. This time I did. I had a chance to go on the EPA uh, contaminant database. And it's pretty amazing where they are on this. Mark, you're right on, you're right on track on this. Um, and we should be doing this. I, I absolutely agree with you. Um, the thing that I want us to be thinking of while we're doing this is a place where we're not, is, is in our, Obviously, we, I think it'd be better to have reverse osmosis for the um, water plant. The problem is when on our wastewater treatment plant, and I, I'm, I'm not telling Al anything new here, is our sludge and everything, all that stuff has it in it, and we're putting that stuff out. And so I know you're doing a paper on this. I would like to get that soon because that is, you know, what I think you've been working on that a while. Um, but that's a... You know, we need a path forward on this. And the path forward is deciding how to best treat that. Right now we have grade B. I don't think it's called grade B. Maybe it is called grade B. Which is, you can't even put that sludge on any, any areas that you're going to grow vegetables on. There, you can go all the way to double, double A, double plus. And that's where we need to be, that needs to be our long-term thinking. And, and I imagine when the EPA puts this out in December, they're going to be saying the same thing. They're going to be saying you can't, you know, because what happens is that becomes a source for the water that comes to, that you have to treat. It gets, it gets, into, the, gets into the ground, it gets into groundwater, it gets all over the place. So those, you know, I'm glad we're doing this. I'm glad we're doing the testing. This is a good thing to be doing. Kudos to you to bringing it up. Thank you, Commissioner. Uh -huh. what, what are you waiting for? You said that you're waiting for some report. What, what is that about? Um, Alan is doing a white paper on the wastewater. I'll, I'll let him bring it. Let him bring it. On the wastewater treatment plant. What Mr. are the Mr. Garcia, please? Sorry, Mr. Garcia, welcome. I always forget that. So, um, 
We have spearheaded a working group to address biosolids amongst all of the utilities in Broward County that operate wastewater treatment plants. Um, the, most, the last one to sign on to the um, uh, agreeing to pay for this initial report was City of Hollywood, but we have everybody signed on now. We've had the kickoff for that, and we do expect by the end of the year we're going to have that, that report done. But we, had to, we couldn't start that report until we got all the um, uh, utilities on board because if two of them didn't go on board, then that would substantially change the contribution from the other utilities, and we'd be back to doing new agreements with them. But, you know, they're all on board now, and we have, you know, started to kick off for that with the consultant. And I, and I actually thought that you were already writing it, so I'm, I've been under the wrong assumption here. Um, is, that, is this paper supposed to be, it, it's an approach to going to a, to a better wastewater treatment plant? It's, it's an approach to trying to come up with a regional solution, whether it's pelletizing, incinerating, right. um, now, the one thing, and I haven't looked at a lot of the research with regards to biosolids, but I think the treatment process to go to B to A to AA, I'm not sure that's going to eliminate any PFAS. So you could right. have the same level of PFAS in the AA as you do the B. That's the, the B to AA is more the inactivation of, um, of uh, viruses and pathogens, pathogens yeah. yes. Um, okay, and that's going to be an important part to look at. Yeah. But it is, these two things go together. Um, obviously, the APA is going to put these mandates out in, in December. Thank you. And this should, hopefully, kind of push this along as well, because those same mandates are going to be there for that. Yeah. Correct? And, and it'll be interesting, Commissioner, to see what that correlation is when we get our testing samples from our drinking water to ultimately what might be in, in the, the biosolids. Plus, and I want to do some research on this, I'm not sure that I've seen any research on how much does it leach out of the biosolids versus how much does it lock in the biosolids and stay in the biosolids. I, I Because it's such a hard thing to destruct, so I, I just know. don't know. But I did see some of that, and it's on the EPA contaminant database. And if you go in there and look at the, the PFAS, it talks about all that stuff. Okay. So, and it's considerable. Yeah. So we want to, that's why we want to take a look at it. It's, it's going to be a long process because... Yeah. Like they say, it's everywhere. It's in the air. It's in food. It's in water. It's, you know, it's prevalent. It, do, it does, um, from what I did read, is that you can incinerate it to, once you get over 2,000 degrees. Yeah, yeah. So that, your idea of maybe pelletizing, that would go to that, yeah. Which, yeah. Uh, which is a good idea. So thank you. Okay, any further discussion on these thank two Mr. items? Garcia. Thank you so much. There is a motion for 57B. First uh, moved by Senator Gell, second by Commissioner McKenzie. All in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries. Thank you. I believe our delegation gentleman has shown up now. So I'm going to have Mr. Carl Grant. Are you here, sir? Yes, sir. Very good. Thank yes, sir. Please come forward, and uh, you'll have three minutes for your delegation request. Um, yeah, I'll just come in. I just want to say my name is Carl Grant. Say hey to everybody. Um, my speech here is on um, reparation, and I truly think that um, with my reparation bill, with my reparation ordinance for Broward County to take a reparation ordinance, I think it would be, it would make Broward County a great city. Um, so let me um, reference to reparation, this proposal. Uh, I think as a Democrat, 
Well, as as a, a Demo uh, this this bill could be very successful reference to a, a democratic process, and also I think it could be, it could be it can move bipartisan. So, this could be very successful. As starting out as a Democrat, what I'm this proposal, what I'm trying to say, and also it could be bipartisan. So I want to read it uh, to you. It can move to the GOP later. So I think it got that support. Um, this proposal, this local ordinance, reference to uh, reparation entitlement for bronze, black, historic Americans, and the 40 acres, and a move uh, 40 acres in a mule inspired by Abraham Lincoln. So that's the name of the that's the name of this uh, ordinance would be that's the name of the proposal, and I don't have enough time to go into whole detail of the proposal, but I I look forward to working with Broward County on this reparation entitlement for bronze Black historic Americans and for the acres in a mule inspired by Abraham Lincoln. Um, is is quite a bit of interesting stuff I would like to explain coming out of slavery. Um, just like all, most people don't agree, probably won't agree with the bill, and I, I'm fine with that because it's like um, they don't identify, they don't identify with it. That don't make it, that don't make it not legitimate. I think some people are part of the Confederacy, their ancestors, so they wouldn't, of course they would not agree with reparation. So everybody would have a different opinion. Most people don't agree with reparation because they don't identify with it. So that's the only thing, but that don't make it, that don't make it wrong. They don't make reparation wrong. And I think before we go to talking about spending the expense, we need to go back and define what land and what property and what Abraham Lincoln gave us because the House ruled in our favor. When I went through all these documents, Abraham Lincoln, coming out of slavery, we do have economic independence. And we should not be in this situation today, to be honest with you as black Americans. But it's all about, with me, about this ordinance that I'm going to be bringing, and I'm, I'm in concept stage now, it's all about economic independence, not just black people. It's all about economic independence. I think this the, this, this the way to economic independence, really. And it'll help Broward. I think it'll put Broward County on the map to be able to say Broward County is the first county to be able to honor reparation entitlement. I think this will be a good look. And Ron DeSantis, for whatever reason, is not popular these days, for whatever reason, because he done it to himself. So he wouldn't be, he, he's not as popular. But I bring this again. You're welcome. Thank you, Mr. Grant. Okay, that takes us now to item 65. Item 65 is a motion to approve final ranking for qualified firms for request for proposal 2023 Port Everglades Master Vision Plan Update for the Port Everglades Department. The ranked firms are AECOM Technical Services, Inc., Hatch Associates Consultants, GHD Consulting, Inc., DBA GHD, Inc., Jacobs Engineering Group, Inc., and BEA Architects, Inc. No members of the public have signed up to speak. Thank you so much. Uh, commission discussion at this point. Move it. Hold on, hold on. We're going to discussion at this point. So, question. Yes, uh, Senator Geller. I know that uh, Commissioner Ryan I, I had deferred this. So I'm going to ask Commissioner Ryan why, if he's now satisfied. Last week I had asked that it be deferred. Uh, because I want to have an opportunity to look more closely at <clears throat> how the uh, local preferences um, ordinance uh, was, was being applied in this case. And, and I think that, you know, the additional uh, background and the reviews, you know, kind of, uh, you know, explained to me, you know, how it was applied. And uh, I didn't find anything, you know, after my review that, um, you know, brought it to the level 
to, uh, you know, to engage on a um, discussion of object objections. Very I good. believe there were certain uh, objections that were initially filed, but they were not followed up with like a, a formal protest or something like that. Move approval. Move it. Oh, I got Senator Geller moves it, and then Commissioner Bogan seconds it. Any further discussion? I, got, I, got I, I, I beat you. Okay. I beat him. Trust me. I got make that correction. Is was Commissioner McKenzie that made that second? Okay. You got me. All right. Thank. Thank you. Any further discussion? All in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries 9-0. Thank you. Item number 67, our last item on our agenda, and that is for Commissioner Bogan to discuss the progress on the Broward County Preventive Health Care Pilot Project. Commissioner Bogan. 60 seconds. 55. Okay. Um, uh, our, our, our testing started last month. I got a few phone calls. So I just want to let everyone in this room, all commissioners, you actually saved someone's life. And I, he doesn't want me to disclose his name. He called me up, and other people have called. But we had one person that went through, felt fine, had to stay in the hospital. He had four arteries that were like 99% blocked, had a quadruple bypass. Says, you know, thank you for passing this. Um, we've had other people call me, not a lot, but call me and tell me that there's things that were found and appreciated. So um, by the time the data is done, maybe in a year from now, I think you hopefully will show uh, we've saved a lot of lives and and uh, done something good for our county. But thank you. Thank you for that report. Okay. Oh, oh, one last thing, Mayor. Yes, sir. Uh, again, we're also, I, I keep saying, we're, we need to go get uh, patients for this. I mean, you know, people to do this. We're talking with Monica, who's been great about, you know, we're going to go advertise, uh, whether it be going out from you know, all types of advertising. We're going to be doing, uh, if you want to be involved in that advertising to. Thank you, you know, Ms. Leasing. Go ahead. Pardon me? I, I asked you guys last time, and I'll ask you again, but if you want to please let me know. Um, and um, otherwise, that's it. They have a great, have a great week. Appreciate you Summer. for, uh, yes, Commissioner Yadin? Because I, I think it's great, and I think it's good that we're get, you're getting these calls. So at the end of this, when we get this, we were going to take this report and do something with it as far as bringing that to different insurance. What are we going to do with the outcome? Because we're going to save a, a huge number of people I mean, the number, we all know what the numbers will be. I will get you the, a substantive answer uh, yeah, in the fall. That's a, perfect. You got it. It can even be the winter. It doesn't even have to be the fall. If you in the winter. Question. Even better. <laughs> yes, Mr. Myers, did I forget something? Uh, no. But go ahead. I, I, I think, just, just to clarify, obviously, if anyone wants to be involved in advertising or whatever to coordinate Come through to the me. county event. Oh, don't go to me. I got sunshine. Yeah. Go yes. to Monica if you want to be. I'm going to be we actually, talking to her after this meeting about the different advertising, including we want to go out to local churches as well and other places. We, we uh, actually know that's I'm what you, we actually know that's what you meant, Commissioner, what? to talk I'm to you. Church. I know. Uh, but you, everyone has, you know, churches in their district. And so let me know. Well, don't, don't, don't be a pain. It is. It is. I'm just wondering what was put in the water this morning before we came to the meeting because this commission is kind of a little bit of a, a little bit, a little tirade here. I know, I don't know if it's because it's our last meeting before recess, but woo! Oh, oh that's right, have a great we, summer. We, we, oh, no, we, Thursday we're still meeting. See we're what meeting I'm Thursday. talking about? <laughs> we're meeting Thursday, Mary. I know that as a budget, but as a commission, this is our last commission meeting for summer, so. Okay, we are now under a non-agenda. Commissioner McKenzie, any non-agenda? No, but. Oh, have, no, but. Have a great summer. Thank you, sir. Commissioner Bogan, I'm sure you have all tapped out. 60 seconds. Why would you think that? <laughs> I got an hour of talking here. To do. I mean, uh, 
I want to wish everyone a, uh, a really healthy and happy summertime, and uh, we'll see you, um, see you Thursday. That's it. If anybody speaks more than that, watch out. <laughs> Commissioner Ryan. Happy Fourth of July to all. Thank you. Commissioner Dean. Just uh, see everybody Thursday. Wish everybody a happy uh, uh, break. Or I know we're, we're not really on break because we still have all a ton of work. Correct. We just don't have any formal meetings. I just want to give a shout out to the county attorney's office. Most people don't know. You know, they have a major legal internship program. Two of them were here today. I know they left. The other two are at the airport. And they go through all the different county agencies. And uh, who knows, in this day of eight, hopefully you'll get some county future assistant county attorneys out of it. But thank you for helping to train these future employees. Thank you. Vice Mayor. Thank you. Uh, it's funny that I'm the one here, but saying Happy Father's Day to everybody. Thank you. <laughs> Even though we'll see you Thursday. Um, I just have one. I, I like to always bring kind of just positive, good things that have been going on in the community. And I want to just mention about a wonderful uh, graduation ceremony that I went to uh, from Ark Broward. All of you are familiar with Ark Broward. It was their 2023 preschool graduation and they're what they call the School of Higher, H-I-R-E, education, because those are for youth uh, <coughs> developmental disabilities, 18 to 23 to 22, that are in that program. And it was just one of the most moving experiences. I go as, much, as often as I can to these, but watching the 28 preschoolers with disabilities, they had like, a, uh, like an obstacle course for them uh, going, walking with, with someone, you know, behind them just to be careful, walking around cones, then walking on like a plank, and then ending up, the prize is to get to jump on the trampoline at the end of, the, of it. And it was just, it was just so adorable. And uh, I got to meet Layla, who is, was the 2022 Miss Ark Broward. She's graduating from high school. She's working this summer at our Broward Animal Care Shelter, which is a new program that Ark Broward is doing and starting Broward College in the fall. So it was clear to me how very proud all of these families were. But for me personally, I just wanted to always just offer congratulations. Julie Price is the new CEO. Dennis Haas retired after many, many years. Julie's doing a great job with her exceptional team. And they are just truly an amazing resource in Broward County, Art Broward. Thank you, Vice. Commissioner Furr? Yeah, a couple things real quick. Uh, 17 cities have signed the ILA. We're very close to the 75%. We've got a bunch of big cities next week. Dania tonight. Um, I, I did get a chance to have a, a uh, uh, chance to go over to the Museum of Discovery and Science. They're doing. They're putting. They're creating a whole new resilience, and it's based on. I don't know if everybody knows it, but it's based on our climate change action plan. The entire the entire exhibit, and it's incredible. Yeah. They're taking it. They're designing it here. And they're having, they're doing all the Im imagineering up in Orlando, which is going to be pretty, pretty fantastic. Uh, Juneteenth is next Monday, and I think as a commission, we should be pretty proud of what we've done in terms of making sure that we have all the resources at, uh, at all our libraries, at all of the summer stops, uh, and I think that's a really good thing. Um, and we we'll and I'll see you at the workshop. That's it. Very good, mm -hmm. Senator Gill. I know your timeline. Thank you. Um, Tomorrow, no, yes, tomorrow night I finish my town meetings. As you know, I do them twice a year in every city I represent. Uh, I will see Commissioner Udine, hopefully, and I know Commissioner Furr on Friday. 
when at our South Florida Regional Plan Planning Council meeting. And I would like to wish everybody a very good summer and healthy summer vacation. Thank you, Senator. Commissioner Rogers. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. And let me just share with everyone, I'm still visiting all my churches, Commissioner. I'm still visiting. <laughs> it's in my city. I've lived in Lauderdale Lake since 1981. No, it's church. This is why there are no boundaries. Our constituents are all over the place. So whenever I'm in Hello. Can the commissioner have the floor, please? Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Thank you, Thank you very, very much. Mackenzie? <laughs> okay, I'll talk over you, okay? I will continue to visit my district. <laughs> I will continue going to churches. And it's not because, it's because I know there's a need whenever you go. There's a line, all right, asking questions. And the number one concern is always about housing and their rents. Are there any dollars for help with their paying their rent and or the mortgage? So we cannot just deviate from this. We have to come up with a real solution and a funding source. There has to be some way of making sure it's sustainable. And of course, cricket, lovely cricket, is coming to Broward County. And I know we will be having our discussions during our budget hearing as to what, where we can go with this and what we must do to make sure that we put the best foot forward. Others are vying for some of our games and we're trying to let them know Broad County is the place they need to be. Lastly, we must continue to celebrate. I know I will be celebrating Caribbean Heritage Month until June, the end of June, okay? Because it's the entire month. But downstairs, if you take a moment, send your staff down, take a picture, you can see some of the displays and the significance of the display that we have downstairs. Yes, sir. Go ahead. Uh, enjoy you, you, your summer break. You have enjoy the, you your still break. Have the floor, Commissioner. And no one mentioned what you were doing that's different. Yeah. Are you going away? I would love to join you. Oh, don't want to hear Commissioner Bogan's schedule. He'll be all over the world in 30 days. All right. <laughs> enjoy your break. Enjoy family. And looking forward to working with you as we go through this budget process. Thank, Thank you. you very much. Mr. Myers, any report? Uh, nothing, Mayor. Just I'll see everyone on Thursday. In the off chance, I don't. I hope everyone has a wonderful summer, but uh, hopefully I'll see you Thursday. Thank you. Very good. Mr. Melton, you might have a very, very small voice, but a loud bark. And when it comes to the right place, we so appreciate you, uh, specifically today, and just thank all the efforts you do for us. Okay. Any thank report, you. sir? Thank you. Uh, no report. Just wishing everybody a great summer and God willing, see you Thursday. Amen. Ms. Sapiro, then I'll wind up. Yes, and so I am going to speak a little longer than 30 seconds, Commissioner Bogan. So I wanted to, I have a whole lot of things on my list and I just want to I'll be quick about it. Happy Father's Day. Uh, Commissioner Furry, you mentioned Juneteenth and I just wanted to um, also commend our team for all of the um, displays and work that they've done to make sure that the community knows that we embrace um, that holiday and as a reminder county government um, offices will be closed on monday uh, june 19th an observation um, of that day 
Um, you, uh, Commissioner Rogers talked about Caribbean Heritage Month. That's on my list. And also I'd like to mention in honor of Pride Month, Broward County Transit um, will be participating in the Stonewall um, Pride Parade and Festival this Saturday, uh, June 17th. They have a, a bus that's been wrapped. I'll be walking with our BCT team uh, there. Hope to see you there. Um, on the parks side, there are many summer um, activities for the kids taking place this summer in our Broward County parks. And um, just to remind everyone, the water parks are now open through August 20th. Um, Animal Care wanted to make sure everyone knows that this month Animal Care is providing free pet microchips to Broward County residents. Uh, so the appointments are available online um, and you can go to Broward.org forward slash animal to look at those um, dates for that. And lastly, I'd be remiss if we didn't say go Panthers. Tonight, let's make sure we're all tuned in. Yep, thank you. Yes, you bet, because the heat did not make it. Um, <clears throat> I, uh, I know, I gotta wear that jersey. I'm not gonna wear the jersey. I'm not gonna need to wear the jersey. That's right, that's right. Okay, right, Kevin? Good. 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 All right. Good thinking. Good thinking. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can wear we're something not, we're gonna over win. the jersey. The Panthers are going to win. So that's all that matters. That's it. All right. All right. Just real quickly, um, today I get to cut a ribbon uh, for ceremony at Port 32, which is one of the largest marinas here in Fort Lauderdale. At 430, if you want to come out and join me, uh, I'll see you later about that. Uh, and then tomorrow we'll celebrate Canada Day in Fort Lauderdale by joining the Consulate General of Canada and the Florida Chamber of Commerce uh, through Canada to celebrate 30 years of diplomatic relations. I want to thank Commissioner Bogan for picking up our Canada trade trip. Thank you so much for, for yeah, I know, so you need to do that, right? About Juneteenth, uh, obviously, and also check the municipal websites too. A lot of cities are doing different uh, programs, so please uh, look at those. I want to thank Major Steve Long uh, from the Salvation Army, and congratulations, he's recently retired. What a great uh, impact he made in Fort Lauderdale and our community as our major. So wish him best of luck. Uh, our budget workshop, because of some timing conflicts, our budget workshop on Thursday, instead of 10 o'clock, it'll be 11 o'clock. So everybody make sure it's 11 o'clock, not at 10 o'clock on that. And so, again, happy summer. Another great meeting. Uh, spirited discussion. Great results. And we'll see you Thursday. This meeting is adjourned. Thank you.